0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, cause here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? My name is Ken M. Joining me for this illustrious panel, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us on panel, you know him as your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy.
1: What is going on, everybody?
0: How is everybody's
1: week? Not bad. You know? Yeah, hanging in
0: there. We've got a couple sports stories to talk about with you, so definitely join in at home, ODPH Society, or wherever you're listening to us from, and you can always do that on com. It'll take you to our social media links, so Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and always remember use the hashtag ODPH to join in the conversation. So let us kick off with what I will say is the biggest news story of the week for uh-huh. sports, and that is the return of Major League Baseball. Yeah, Pad, you are our baseball connoisseur, uh-huh. our guru, if you will. So, yeah. how-, how dare you, sir? Oh, I'm sorry. If we're talking lacrosse, I definitely pass the mic. To how
1: dare friends. you not give me credit for knowing baseball?
0: Oh, we'll get to that in just a second. But, Pad, why don't you give us a early pre- preview here of uh, how the season's been?
2: Yeah. So, of course, as everyone knows, baseball a little tumultuous off season. Will they play? Won't they play? They finally, you know, smooth things out hopefully there is still a cba coming down the road so we'll see we could just be repeating this in a couple years um but no they got everything hammered out they had summer camp and i'm sorry i know some people want to call it spring training 2.0 but summer camp is better uh they got the season started and things are going pretty good you know a lot of interesting stuff going on uh personal favorites of yours and mine, Ken. Mm-hmm. Boston's in last place in the American League East.
0: Yes, it's a good time as a Yankee uh-huh. fan. Yeah. They
2: are 1-3. and three. Uh, Houston, begrudgingly, is 3-1, and one, although they are getting hit.
1: 1-3. and three. They out of it. Mm-hmm. Then there's
2: no chance of a comeback. Yes. Oh, preach it, coach. Preach have it.
1: 62 games left in the season. Ain't no way you're coming down from a 1-3 deficit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Houston, begrudgingly, is in first place, although I will say they are getting hit. Uh, that's to be expected. Uh, Peg them all. Justin Verlander has been shut down for the immediate future. It's kind of up in the air what's going on with him. Uh, All we know is it's a forearm issue.
1: That was a funny one because I saw the tweet that said he was out for the season. He was like, not so fast, my friend. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, the thing of it is, is not to play schoolhouse rock here, but when you're talking forearm and tendons that's usually the ligaments around your elbow which usually mean you need Tommy John surgery so I'm not one to connect the dots but hey 1 2
1: plus two does equal 4 uh huh yep. yeah uh
2: looking out at other things just some notable things you got the Chicago Cubs in first place the Miami Marlins are in first place although we'll get to that in a minute uh San Diego Padres surprisingly are in first place at 3 and 1 uh so things are looking pretty good you know Glad to see the games back. You know, it was was cool to see what various teams were doing uh, to make it look at least as real as possible. I know when watching the Yankee games, they had sound recordings that they were very—whoever was in charge of the sound recordings, uh, hats off to you, sir or madam. Uh, You were real on top of things because while watching the Yankee game, if uh, at one point—I forget who was pitching—one of the Yankees guys went to throw to first base to, like, check the runner— Uh, And they had a boo sound effect queued right up and were ready to go. So they were real (laughs) on top of things. That was awesome. Got to say, not a fan of uh, Fox Sports virtual fans that they were putting in there for the national broadcast games. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That was weird. And it's one of those things like if it was there the whole time, okay, I get used to it at some point. But like when it's on a home run or a fly ball to the outfield and they kind of fill themselves in, that's just weird.
0: Yeah, from a production standpoint, that is definitely different. Now, Coach, have you seen any of these games, really? I have
2: not, unfortunately. Yeah, it's I'll have to send you a video, but it's, okay. it's Fox Sports National, so it's not any of the regional Fox Sports. But okay. the nationally broadcasted games, they're filling... And it's almost like any of the video games that are out where you've got, like, four people... Doing like four different <laughs> moves and it's like all the same stuff, just different color. Oh, it's brutal. Oh yeah, it, it's rough. So it's on national broadcast games and they're they're wearing team colors for wherever the whoever the home team is, and it just looks really really weird. Okay, but, <laughs> I believe you. And I gotta say, I gotta give credit to all of the broadcasters because just some of the lengths they are going to to broadcast these games. Because I know Saturday the Yankees and uh metz not Mets? Or the yankees and nationals game was on uh fox mm-hmm. you had joe buck in colorado someplace then you had uh john smoltz in new york at major league baseball network uh studios you had ken rosenthal in the stadium doing his duties and then you had the production truck like I don't know, like a block or two away from the actual stadium. So the, just the lengths they're going to are just absolutely crazy to see, but it's it's cool to see them taking the right precautions.
0: Well, you have to applaud them for trying to be as safe as possible. Uh-huh. Obviously, with everything going on with COVID and this quote-unquote new normal, I hate using that term, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah, Baseball has tried making the best of the bad situation. Uh-huh. We're still getting the games. It is a different experience. I will agree yeah. with Pat, the digital fans – it does take a little while getting used to see them appear yeah. on screen. I'm not a big fan of that. No. But it is what it is. But for the games, we are getting our baseball. The Yankees are looking good out of the gate. Yeah. And, you know, Boston is not doing well. So as a Yankee fan, I'm extremely happy about that. This is true. And then Houston is getting well-received by uh, uh-huh. the other teams in the Major League Baseball uh, games.
2: Yeah, I, and I did. Ch- I mentioned last week I would check out the MLB cheer thing. I did check that out. Uh, there, when I use the MLB app, there was a little thing that popped up. And basically, if the stadium supports it, not all stadiums support it quite yet, but you can go into the game, you can pick who you're rooting for, And it gives you this little like back and forth uh, meter that's like however many fans are in there supporting the team, it moves percentages. And then if if you cheer them, you know, the icon for cheering, I think it's like a thumbs up or something Mm. goes up on the screen. So you can see in real time, you know, just the more you see more cheers, you know, a lot of people are cheering. I gotta try it out when it's because I did it obviously with the Astros and I was booing incessantly. I can imagine Um, the
0: data plan was going up that night.
2: Yeah, but I gotta try see if they if it's installed at Yankee Stadium and try it on when Yes Network is broadcasting. Just because I got to see how it works in in relation to actually watching a game. I can see.
0: Yeah, it definitely is a lot of new interactive Mm -hmm. options they're trying to give fans. Which, like I say, if you can't make it to the ball game, they are trying to Mm -hmm. make it something. Now that we've gone past all the drama about. Everybody arguing about money. The safety protocols are in place, but we're going to get right into that because we cannot escape that story in a sec. But for the presentation of the game on the field, it hasn't been the worst. No. It does take a little while to get used to. Yeah. And if this is what we have to do to get a baseball season in, so be it but we can't deny the biggest story going on with baseball right now, unfortunately, is not the games. Yeah,
2: no, it's not. So oh, I want to say it was either Sunday night or early Monday morning I because I started seeing stuff before it hit, you know, a big, big press. Uh, it came out Monday morning, nonetheless, that a bunch, I don't have the exact number in front of me, of the Miami Marlins uh, players and coaches had tested positive for C-19. 14,
1: I think the number I was. I
2: 12, Yeah, 12 yeah. players, four, two coaches. That sounds about right. Yeah. So... And, and I think everyone baseball fans and writers and coaches and front office staff knew this was going to come at some point. Just nobody thought it'd be after one weekend. So then the kind of question became, all right, what's going to happen? So what happened in the time since then, um, the Marlins were in Philly for three games. Uh, they played those games. Uh, like I told you, they are, you know, they're in first place. They are, what are they, two and one. So they were in Philly for three games. To my knowledge, they uh, they hunkered down in their hotel. They did not leave. Uh, and then the – so then the immediate thing became, okay, well, the Marlins were just there for three games. You've got 14 players testing positive. The Yankees are supposed to be coming there. So what's going to happen with this? Uh, Marley Rivera of ESPN at one point had reported that the Phillies had told the Yankees that the visiting clubhouse had been fumigated several times. Not sure what that does for c19 and how you get it and what it does but i'm no scientist i'm no expert so who knows maybe it does something uh and at one point the yankees had said before the game was postponed that if the game went on they would bring their own staff down to the stadium to uh staff the visiting clubhouse themselves so that nobody who could have possibly been infected would be in with the team uh, regardless out of an abundance of caution, because, uh, the Phillies players were tested that day. The game was postponed. Uh, the Yankees were supposed to play two games in Philly and then two games in New York, uh, again, against each other. Uh, the game on Monday was postponed out of an abundance of caution. The Phillies were tested. Uh, they did drive for testing at citizens bank park. Uh, those tests came back today. They're all negative. Okay. So none of the Phillies are infected. Although the thing to bear in mind is as we know, incubation time on this is 14 days so Mm -hmm. they don't have it now uh and i read they were tested again today so we'll see what happens you know tomorrow or the day after but they're gonna have to keep getting tested uh so the game yesterday and the game tonight were postponed uh as were the marlins were supposed to have a home opener against the orioles uh they were supposed to play i think it was much the same as the yankees two games in florida two games in baltimore those got postponed Uh, The the games with the Yankees and Phillies in New York got postponed. Uh, As we record, uh, we do know that, as we said, the Phillies have tested positive thus far or tested negative thus far. Uh, They're being tested again. No other tests uh, in Major League Baseball outside of the Marlins that have been done since Friday have come back positive. So everything else outside of the Marlins has come back negative. Uh, And in the meantime, uh, Marlins game, Marlins season is postponed through Sunday, they're going to quarantine and just so they can focus on the players and get everybody healthy. Uh, I have heard it discussed because they are carrying 60 players on the active roster. I guess you could say it's just you know you've got 30 in the uh, with them and then 30 in an alternate training site. Uh, there has been talk that if they need to, they will bring in some of those players to fill in holes. And there has been talk of even signing free agents to plug those holes if need be when they are when and if they are able to return. Uh, And I also know the Phillies' uh, season has been postponed through Friday, again, out of an abundance of caution, just to make sure everyone is fine and okay. As for the Yankees, uh, they are off tonight. Uh, Their games will be made up with the Phillies at a later date. And if they don't make them up, uh, Buster only or somebody I know suggested it, they could just do like in 1981 when they had the strike uh, shortened season and just go by one percentage. Like if you can't make up a game, just because of the shortened schedule and not enough time, just go by win percentage. You know they did it. They've did. They've done it in the past.
0: I think they're going to have to. I don't. They think might they, have to. They don't have an option at this yeah, point. Yeah,
2: but so the Yankees' games against the Phillies will be possibly made up at a later date. Uh, the Yankees, from what uh, General Manager Brian Cashman said in a Zoom conference with reporters today, uh, they were about to send all of the equipment from Philly because the Yankees this whole time have been hunkered down in their Philly. hotel. Mm -hmm. They they went from Washington right to Philly. Uh, They were about to send all their equipment back to New York when the option for Baltimore came uh, on the table, and they pulled the players, and the players basically unanimously said, tell us where and we'll play. So the option for Baltimore came up. They're going to play uh, – what is it? uh, What's today? Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, They're going to play uh, Wednesday and Thursday in Baltimore. Coach – Your
1: thoughts
0: on this
2: development. If
1: this costs us the NFL season, I will be furious. This was, so, again, we talked about, and to get your shot glasses out early because I'm bringing it up sooner than later, the PLL, the Premier Lacrosse League, how they were able to bubble their players. Now, obviously, roster sizes and accommodations and all those things are a factor, and the NBA is the same way. You know, the smartest and safest thing to do is Put your players in some sort of confined bubble space mm-hmm. where you are in direct control of who they're in con- contact with, who are, um, you know, where they are going and where they are coming from. Because at the end of the day, with the MLB, you know, you have a travel size roster of 30 ish guys. 30 ish guys. And that's okay.
2: before you get to all the coaches. And yeah,
0: yeah right. you you're, so, lo- you're looking at roughly around 60, 70. So people. you're
1: looking at, uh, you know, uh, that. You know, number of people that it's impossible to be able to hold them all accountable mm-hmm. and to be able to keep an eye on that many people. I mean, um, especially when you're talking about travel, food, and all this stuff. Right. So, you know, it was only a matter of time. Yeah. And yeah. the NFL needs to take notice of this because if they're looking at potentially as well the travel um, to and from games and everything, you have to control what these players are doing. And I mean, you saw in the NBA, Lou Williams went broke the bubble. Now he's locked in a quarantine right now for, yeah, that's for three days because he went to get you know chicken wings at a strip club, which apparently have the best chicken wings in the world. Yeah, Johnny
0: Manziel was even saying this. Johnny, Johnny
1: Manziel said that they were the best chicken wings he's ever had. So again, though, I mean, with like you know in the situation with the NBA and the PLL, though, you know they're able to hold and and keep these players accountable. On the flip side of this, the MLL. And, you know, I'll talk about this in rounding the bases a little bit more. They had four players break quarantine, and six of them then came back, tested positive for COVID, which ruined, you know, a a good semifinal on Saturday and an inevitable championship game that was played on Sunday. So, you know, just leaving it up to the players to their own devices obviously is not the right condition because people are people, and humans are humans, and just like we're seeing now – they itch for social interaction, and you know you go town to town, travel, travel. You know you have your spots that you like to hit up. Sure, well, sure. if you go to hit up that spot, who do you? You know you don't know who's in that place. And I mean, as a professional athlete you know we talk about like how you know quote unquote the role models and all that stuff like as a professional and your body's your temple like as a professional athlete like you have to be mindful of the fact that you are your investment and if you go to one of these establishments uh-huh. and you're acting a fool whether it's you know not wearing a mask or not social distancing or or what have you you know that's on you and what what happens is this result here with yeah. the Marlins. Now we don't know where it could have came from, yeah. you know, could it have been from the airport that they were traveling? Could it have been, you know, maybe from the staff itself, you know, like you don't know because they haven't said. But, you know, there there is that concern that travel is the just this it's an uncertainty. It's Mm -hmm. the one thing, it's a
2: variable. You cannot control that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It works for the NBA because, like you said, they have a smaller roster size. Major League Baseball, if I did my math right, you're looking at, like, to do a a host city, you would need to find hotel rooms for roughly 1,900 people. And unless you're doing it in a major city, that's going to be real hard to do. The other thing I would say is it's relatively easy for the NHL and NBA. They're not trying to do a full season. Mm. They're essentially trying to wrap up their regular season – get into the playoffs, and then go. So you're going to have some of these teams like the Washington Wizards or pick some other bottom of the conference team that I don't know how long the season in the NBA goes, so random. They're only playing two weeks. So in so in three weeks when the postseason starts, you're going to have some teams gone in three weeks. Right. So that works perfectly fine for them because, hey, we're here for a cup of coffee and then, we, then we're heading home. They're not hanging around. For Major League Baseball, they're running through the end of sub. They're running a, basically a regular schedule, just shortened. They're still going to get done in theory if the season progresses by the regular time. So you're you're meaning to tell me that, that you got to find a host city that's able to hold 19, 000 t- to, you know, 2000 plus people for the next four months? Like that's got real hard, even if it's New York.
0: Yeah, And, In yeah. fact, fact, I even got to correct myself because when I said 60-70, I was thinking NFL rosters. So uh. for, for baseball, so I got to correct that because baseball. We got to say is what? 30-man roster plus your coaches.
2: 30-man 30, ro- thirty man roster that they're traveling with.
0: Right. Plus their coaches. Plus coaches. So we're looking, what, 45 people maybe? At yeah.
2: least. 45, 50. I'll
0: say 45, 50. So the NFL, I know, is definitely I'm rolling more.
1: Sure, they probably have some team, you know uh, –
0: not doctors gophers, and, yeah. but, yeah, well, doctors yeah. and probably some yeah. team like,
1: yeah. uh, you know, well, golfers. I guess we'll use. I mean, people to go out and get stuff for players if they need it. And right. Stuff. So yeah. Training staff, I
0: guess yeah. you yeah. can call so, it. So we'll, say we'll, we'll just cap it off at 50. So for, yeah. f- for a 50-person team to go travel, mm-hmm. and especially with the heightened uh, health situation that we live in now, is very, very difficult to – if one person gets infected everybody's going to Yeah, infected. you can you, you can't. cannot
1: control. No. Yeah.
0: That many people, it's not possible. Yeah, I know. i trying to f- I was trying to figure a better way to say it, but no, I mean that's just how I, it is. That's what it needs to, you you don't
1: have a choice. I mean, that's right. why like with the NBA and the PLL, it's like they bus to and from. Mm-hmm. Your meals are accounted for at your hotel. Mm-hmm. Your your daily routine is accounted by, you know, staff and everything. So it's like everything is controlled you know from maybe not when you wake up to when you go to bed right but literally everything else as far as human contact social interaction you know um who you're seeing on the daily basis those are all things that are being you know how you're getting to the games those are all controlled that safe bubble mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah it's the variable of all right we need to get to baltimore but we're playing in milwaukee right, right. How do we get there? Are we
2: busing or are we flying? Probably flying. And there's also other safety issues that you gotta look up. I know Woj of ESPN brought up that the fact that they, the Major League Baseball Pitched the idea of doing a bubble in arizona now obviously this was before arizona turned into its own mess going mm-hmm. to c19 right you know but who could have seen that coming back in you know february march the other issue is as is meteorologists pointed out on Sun on sunday in arizona it, in phoenix arizona it reached before you're even talking heat indexes 116 degrees you know how many indoor baseball stadiums are in that state one and that's where the Arizona Diamondbacks play. So name me a Major League player who's going to want to be outside in 116-degree heat before you're talking heat indexes for like three hours.
0: It's a very good question. And at the time— then I then you're talking heat stroke. Well, at the time, everybody's just trying to figure out what would be the best possible solution. Sure. Right. In, sure. My, in my opinion, the NBA has done a stellar job with it. Sure. Major League Lacrosse has done a great job with it. Premier Lacrosse. Premier Lacrosse. The MLL had a slip-up. I'm sorry. Premier Lacrosse. It's okay. And I forgive. And the NHL has done— so and far. A, a great job thus far. Yeah, we have not heard anything
2: and outside that water
1: leak. To right. the, To the credit of the NHL, though, I mean, they're doing it differently, too, because they're going to cities. Right. You right. know, like, they're not doing this just in one site in Orlando. They're, you know, having hub cities where you got to think, like, they don't have rinks at an abundance. Right. No. You know, like, in or in Disney, they're able to –
2: They've converted uh, ballrooms.
1: Yeah, they've converted ballrooms. They've turned you know uh, areas that were inside into basketball courts. I mean, with the uh, Premier Lacrosse League, they were fortunate. They only have seven teams, so they're able to play you know two games a night and, and and switch it and rotate it that way. So it's like you know they have the ability to do these things. The NHL, you got one facility yeah. or two facilities that are running you know multiple games throughout the day. Mm. That's
2: logistical nightmare. And, and especially when you might have a city that's got a building big enough. And, and spacious enough to hold, host the hockey game, if it's not built for it, it won't work.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So where Major League Baseball now has to look at is you are looking at the first negative moment from your season being involved in a COVID era. Mm-hmm. How do you handle this? How do you go about business? Now, uh, Commissioner Manfred has said that they're not going to have a slowdown. Right. Right. That Miami is now going to be quarantined for a week,
2: yeah, for a week, if not longer. This, there, that. See, I know Major League Baseball was taking some flack yesterday because, and especially from one writer I follow out in New York who was watching the MLB Network and kind of lambasting them for like, oh, it's been an hour. Why are they not talking about anything? Major League Baseball is getting their ducks in a row. They're figuring because this isn't just oh hey some player got caught doing something bad you know right. they, they got arrested for DWI yeah. you know this is something that is major and they got to get their ducks in a line and figure out what the hell is going on. So on the surface at first it didn't look good, but hey I got to give them credit you know they appear to be on top of things. We'll see where it goes, and you know we'll see what happens with the Marlins.
1: Yeah, I mean, suspending those games, postponing the other teams from playing, yeah. those are all right steps yeah. in player safety first, mm. and, which and, was
2: a concern going into this. Right, and there was there was a possibility the Yankees could have played the Phillies because the Phillies had not tested positive and were not showing any symptoms for the last 48 hours. But out of, they said, out of an abundance of caution, we're not playing the games. Yeah.
0: No, and that's why you have to be safe about this, and mm-hmm. they are being safe with the players. As soon as they found out, okay, Miami has been shut down for a week, if not longer. You know, we're waiting to see right. how everybody's doing with their tests. Yeah, what, awesome
1: what's our next steps? What do we? You know, and that's right. the right thing to do.
0: And what baseball now has to look at is all eyes of the sporting world is on you right now, especially sure. the NFL, especially the NFL. <laughs> and, and Pat, Cause you bring it up because
2: because you, you think baseball's got issues with you know however many people they're traveling about double it, and you got the NFL.
0: Right, and like I said, both <laughs> of you guys have brought up great points about the NFL because their season is hinging on how baseball mm-hmm. is operating. Right,
1: it We and we've talked about that. We, I mean, yeah, they're
0: literally it. sitting
1: back probably good and his team, and they're watching the way that the MLB is handling the travel
2: and everything. Yeah. yeah. The only benefit the NFL has is that they play once. Yep. Right. That's it. Well, and even the thing I was thinking about today is if the, and the NFL has said they they're not considering a bubble, you know, they're not doing it. But if they were to consider it, I don't know where, and I can't think of anywhere. I think the smart idea is if they're able to find some place, because obviously you're not gonna, you're not going to find a, a a city with 16 ready football stadiums, you know. So you're not going to be able to run a regular season. Mm-hmm. If you are able to find something with enough football stadiums in the area, maybe do an NHL setup, you know, do it and then stagger it through the week where you have a game on every night. Of the, you know, keep the schedules, keep the matchups all the same. You know but then stagger it through the week. So if you're playing on Sunday, next week you're playing on Monday. If you're playing on Monday, next week you're playing on Tuesday because that way you give enough time for people to travel and test and everything else and prep. And uh, tell me what NFL fan isn't going to be okay with a football game on every day of the week.
0: Oh, no, there will be a definite audience for it. There's no question of that. The NFL is the biggest pastime in all of North America. Well,
1: I would think that the thing that would make the most sense is the West Coast. Yeah. Where you've got San Francisco, you've got the, um, you got LA, you have Denver. Uh, I mean, if you needed to, you have Vegas. You know, so you've got those stadiums in that bubble that you can use. Arizona, uh-huh. you know, is is yeah. uh, traveling a day. Yeah. You know, if you're in West Coast base, so. I mean that's a potential too. That yeah, would be we, the only thing that would make sense to me. Still got you. Still got uh, the
2: Oakland Coliseum out there. We yeah, got, and you still got the yeah. Raider, you still got the Raider the Raiders aren't playing there, but it's still the same setup. So yeah, well, still uh, got absolutely. the Rose Bowl
0: too. The only question would be is with the outbreaks mm-hmm. in that. Yeah, point. no, I yeah, yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. I'm just saying, like okay.
1: from a standpoint of okay, where do you have enough stadiums within a vicinity of each other that you could literally travel and keep players in a, a small enough location? Because New York, yeah, that would work but you know giant stadiums yeah. new jersey buffalo you know maybe philly you could use but you'd have you know to, you'd have
2: to start looking at college stadiums you know uh, yeah luck, like the, yeah.
1: like we were talking about yeah. off the air the dome would be a potential but you know in la you've got four major mm. nfl ready facilities all within probably depending on traffic, yeah. 45 minutes from yeah. each other? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. No, it, it's a plausible idea. I, like I said, the only thing is it just depends if the players would feel comfortable going into those hotspot areas right, right. now. Then that
1: right. Well, right now, though, no. But, you know, maybe four months from now, you know, it slows
0: down in the Los Angeles area and maybe it's feasible. You have to think about it. Or another idea I was even thinking, too, and I know this sounds very far-fetched, but if the NHL is operating in Canada, there's the CFL leagues. Yeah. Yeah could you maybe work out a deal to use their stadium? I Would they,
1: they, I mean, if they didn't want Toronto traveling to well, so That's, the that's another point, we'll though, They
2: didn't want the Blue Jays to play there.
0: You're right. So it all depends on what you feel about that. Like, they'd have to set up a hub situation at those uh, stadiums. But that's yeah, a lot, but of, that's have a lot to, of legwork that, unfortunately, yeah. they don't have time to do. Mm-hmm. No. I think that maybe if it was going into next season, that might be an option. But looking at what they have to do immediately – they have to come up with a game plan to say, okay, if we go to a stadium and there's an, uh, there's an, uh, cases breaking out of COVID, what do we do uh-huh. and how do we react? This is the precedent that Major League Baseball needs to address. And uh-huh. I think for right now... It's they're handling it, yeah. okay. Just because this yeah. is uncharted waters, yeah. No, I mean, what what else could they
1: have done? And, and I think they you were,
2: know? I think they were fully. You know, we remember hearing the reports that like their health, whatever book was like a hundred and whatever pages long. Yeah, their I, health protocol. I think they were kind of maybe late on the ball on this because they foresaw players getting it. I just don't think they foresaw this so early. many no. get. Well, not even this early. Oh. This many getting it that. In rapidly in succession, right? That there might have been plans for okay, two, three, four, whatever. Get it? Here's what we do. I don't think they ever had because we're we 48 hours into the, those players getting diagnosed, we're into double digits. Well,
1: and what did you? I mean, what do you want, Manfred to do? Have a 45 style press conference and just say like, oh, the, the everything's in control. Like, first off, he's not that kind of commissioner, so right. he's not going to hold you know some national media press conference. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have you know the st- st- you know and they're not going to have an independent doctor come in and release a statement they're going to you know or have a press conference they're just going to release a statement that says hey we had 14 players and coaches test positive this is how our protocol will be handled right. these are our op- these are our next steps and this is where we're going from here boom i i don't understand how people are not satisfied with that
0: well, people are just wanting to see their sports run like normal. That's, right. That's, well, the, that's, that's, the, that's the it's the problem. No, but no. that's the ignorance. I, I agree with <laughs> you. No, <laughs> I, I fully agree with you. Because I, I said it. Yeah. No, you're not wrong mm-hmm. with it. No. Because everybody's seeing baseball is back, and the sense of normalcy is back with I'll say,
2: it. Don't get me wrong. I would love to be sitting in right field in the first level oh. at Yankee Stadium, having taken a bus trip down there with my girlfriend, but it's not going to happen. Right. right. You know, it, as much as it sucks... I've still got as good as those Yankee Classics games are on because, hey, Yes Network pulled out a gem and showed the last game of the 2009 World Series and, God, if I didn't love watching that Instead again.
1: of showing the Nets, baby.
2: Yep. Yeah. and I Who love, wants to watch the Nets? Nobody. 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 Oh, maybe maybe family members, but, you know. Nope. Um, but I, I love watching that game, and I love watching some of those Yankee Classic Yankee games, but it's not the same thing as a live one that means something. I know what's going to happen in the game where Jeter goes into the stands, I know what's going to happen in various games of the World Series. I don't know what's going to happen in the games that are live, and that's what I love.
0: Right. And that's something that Major League Baseball is going to just have to really keep an eye on because now the question is God forbid there's another outbreak. Mm-hmm. That I don't want to say outbreak, but maybe more, you know, a case situation. Sure. Well, like a I team mean, gets infected.
1: Worst case scenario, I mean, obviously the incubation period for the Phillies. I mean, let's just say even one or two players come back positive. I mean, mm. the protocol is already in place. Suspend that season. And make up the games where you can. Yeah, Yeah. it's that it's that easy.
2: Yeah, no, just because the teams in the same division are playing teams from the opposite uh, league. In their East is playing the East. Just flex it so that pick some other team or maybe divide it out equally. You know, if you are playing, if the Yankees are playing four games against the Phillies or whatever, it ends up working out to be add four games with four different teams.
1: I think the difference is that you know, in the Marlins' case, all right, yeah, if they have fourteen players. That you know end up, you know, being out due to the COVID or twelve players, and you know maybe two of them are, you know, big time players. Yeah, that's going to hurt the Marlins.
2: Sure, but and but then the other thing too is like I said, they're carrying thirty players with them, and, right? And there's thirty players in an alternate training site where they're basically staying game ready. Yeah. Well, well, what I mean by that
1: is like if you, Marlins obviously not a good team. I'm no. Sure, they're in first place with two and one, but you know, name their all stars. I'll wait. You know what I mean? Like so their two best players being out might kill them. Yeah. The Yankees, however, yeah. you know, if they miss Judge for a game oh, they yeah. still have the abundance of batting that can make up for missing Judge for uh, one or two games if you know, he God will you know, saying yeah. that he ever had a positive test. Right. However, the flip side of this, if the NFL had something like this happen, let's say, you know, the Buccaneers are going to play and you know, now you're looking at you know, Tom Brady being, you know, having it and now he's out, that's going to sway. Oh, it's the, a whole the different print. dynamic. It's a whole different dynamic. So in the NFL standpoint of, you know, one positive test could really screw everything up in the NFL that they don't have the
0: additional roster space, you know, of players to carry. Right it's a fine line to walk that baseball really needs to set that precedent for
1: well and not only that though but baseball has the with the roster sizes and the and and the the way that the game is played, you have the abundance and ability to be able to miss a guy for a game yeah. and not have it, you know, matter as much. Right? You know, you have your starting left tackle missing, you know, X, Y, and Z game, and all of a sudden you're playing, you know, Chase Young in Washington, you know, and you got this seventh round undra- or undrafted rookie going against him. Chase Youngs or J.J. Watt, you yeah, know they're yeah. going to have a field. That's going to sway yeah. the battle or position of the game versus the baseball, right. where yeah. you can make up for an Aaron Judge not being there. So in the NFL, it's like you really need to figure something out because if you have one test or one team that
0: has some, some something going on, that could ruin the entire season. Uh-huh. Oh, fully. So that being said. Baseball is definitely going to have to be very careful with their protocol moving forward. They have done a good job handling the situation thrown at them, but for all eyes of the sports world watching them, they're going to definitely need to really make sure that they're setting that example because the NFL is definitely waiting to see how they react and come up with a game plan for themselves. Let us know what you think, though. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What are your thoughts about the start of the Major League Baseball season? Is your team doing well? Is it not? And what is your take on everything going on with the COVID cases that are breaking out with the Miami Marlins?
3: or hit us up at onlinewarriorspodcast.com.
2: This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew.
0: Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk some NFL news. Mm hmm. And unfortunately C-19 is striking at the NFL right now. pad yes. you got the latest.
2: Yeah. So uh, C-19 is striking at the NFL. Uh, from what I understand, there are some teams and some stadiums that are allowing a small percentage of fans uh, to visit, to come to the stadiums. You know, not everyone. I know the Patriots were one that if they're allowed, there's been some other ones check your local areas. Uh, but we also have some players opting out uh, of the season as follows. I won't go through the whole list of names, just some notable ones. Uh, you've got Jordan Mack, uh, the linebacker for the Carolina Panthers uh, was one. Uh, Marquise Goodwin of the Philadelphia Eagles is another one uh, who have who has opted out of the season. Uh, Patrick Chung of the New England Patriots has opted out. You know, just to mention a few, Andre Smith, an offensive tackle from the Baltimore Ravens. Dante Hightower of the Patriots has opted out. You know, so you just got a whole bunch of guys that are just like, you know what? I'm good. Uh, not going to play.
0: Well, they have to be safe and sorry. Yeah, so, sure. So, Coach, I'll let you – your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I
1: mean, obviously with the NFL allowing players to have this position, you know, if you're not comfortable
2: playing, that yeah. then this is your right to, to speak out and say that you're not comfortable playing. Well, say so I should know the first one to come out and say that he's not playing this season was Kansas City Chiefs guard uh, Laurent DuVernay Tardif, uh, not because of any concerns of his own health. He's working in a medical facility.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that has a doctor degree, yes. I believe.
2: So,
1: I mean – it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, what can you what can you say? You can't crush these guys in any no. way because it's their choice. It's yeah. obviously, like I said before in the previous segment, I mean, these guys are their biggest investment, and they are, you know, their body is their temple, and yeah. if I mean, they
2: don't feel comfortable, then don't do it. I'll say, I know for a lot of guys, it's, you know, it's their choice. It is what it is. Nobody's really batting an eyelash. There are some, though, that, and I know two particular ones with the Patriots. Uh, Marcus Cannon, their offensive tackle, has opted out of the season. Uh, he was a cancer survivor and survived. Not He overcame non-hodgkin lymphoma mm-hmm. so he opted out for that reason and then dante hightower just gave uh, his wife just gave birth to their first child uh, about a week or two ago so uh,
1: i'll just say that if you need a running back um who hasn't played since high school i am available okay. for a scrub pickup right. and i don't being don't care to be called a scrub as long as I'm rocking a uniform and pads on a Sunday. There you go. So that's fine by me.
0: Ultimate fantasy football sleeper pick Coach hey, Duffy. Hey,
2: I'm goal line specialist, baby. Hey, Disney. We got, I only we, fall forward. Hey, Disney, we got a sequel to Invincible for you.
0: Oh, let's make that happen.
2: I Listen,
1: I mean, if, that, if these players are obviously going to step down, I mean, I know that teams have practice squad guys yeah. and there's obviously undrafted rookies. Yeah. You know, if they have to play, they have to play. But like I said in the previous segment, you know, you get one guy that tests positive, and you know he's a starting position player. And then all of a sudden, now you got to go against JJ Watt, and you're missing your starting right tackle. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be that's gonna sway games, yeah. and that that is the only problem that I have. That you know you are a team that you know is positioned as being a playoff team. You know something happens, the NFL forces your hand and makes you play. You know, and, and then you're missing. You know your leading. You know rusher. You know or yeah. your leading tackle yeah. or yeah. your
2: leading whatever. It's going to change outcomes. That's the only thing. Sure, and these are all some if for you, if there are, you are a fan of these any of these teams that have players who say you know what, I'm not playing this uh, the season for you they're big, but for the NFL at large, it, yeah there are some names there are some recognizable names, but it's not a marquee you know five star player. It's it's not a Michael Thomas. It's not a Kyler Murray. It's not a Drew Brees. It's sure. Kinda, it's not a Tom Brady. You know, I think that's going to be the whoever. If there is one of those caliber players that steps out first, that's going to be the real shock and real interesting one.
0: Well, it's going to be the one that everybody focuses on right yeah. now. I mean, the one team that's been hit the hardest right now is New England Patriots. Six players, I believe. Six players, as we are recording. It's a purpose move. It's a Patriot move. The I conspiracy mean, is on right okay, now. Conspiracy
2: right. is on. But look at Belichick's history. When you lo- when he loses a player, they find somebody else to plug in. They lost Gronk in the one playoff game, and and they made fine.
0: If Trevor Lawrence somehow winds up on a Patriot jersey this season, I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying. Something crazy is going to happen. Why do you think I
2: haven't it. bought a Cam jersey yet? Yeah. Well.
0: well, anything is possible. But getting to where we're going with the story, though, the NFL, like Coach touched upon, if you lose a star player out for quarantine mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, when they have the virus or they're going home to, ha- to be with their families right now, that is going to hurt your season. And obviously yeah. player safety is more important than the game. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So, but I, how?
1: I'm just saying, from the aspect of Vegas yep, and sure. lines, you sure. know, I mean that changes betting habits. It changes. Oh yeah. It changes lines. It changes all that stuff. So, from that aspect of it, this is, and we, you and I talked about it on the drive to the UFC fantasy football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you have, you know, one of these players, you know, Michael Thomas, like you named, all of a sudden they test positive, they're unable to play, and now you're in, you know, your fantasy league, which I know doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying, of a standpoint of the NFL is a cash business oh, yeah. yeah, and there is side cash that grows on that nfl cash money yeah.
0: and if you take away from that it will hurt the product oh absolutely well i mean you hit the nail right on the head when you have a sport that becomes a business and what that business affects and let's and we, we've already talked about it the nfl is the biggest franchise sport in the United States.
1: From Gant- to Vegas to uh, spreads to from fantasy
0: from the, football to locks and leaps to everything. To even going to restaurants and bars where they were open and how much business that drives in there. The trickle-down effect of the NFL running is huge. And if you don't think that's, you know, we're just kind of saying that, take a look at the advertising dollars spent on the Super Bowl and how much Oof. that generates. Everything. I mean,
1: just look at the fact that four preseason games aren't happening.
0: Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, is, which is another big story breaking out that they've decided to cancel all of preseason uh-huh. for safety measures, yep. which I think is a smart move with everything going well, on. Well,
2: that's something the players have been asking for for, like, a month. So i fifty fifty 50-50 on it.
1: Okay. Because, one, I understand why they did it because, obviously, your first week you're traveling with 90 guys. That's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. So I understand, you know, that. But I, I – I understand that your veterans don't play in the preseason as much. But for these guys who are trying to make a roster and everything, these preseason games are, you know, huge as far as going a long way between, you know, maybe, you know, not making the roster but making a practice squad, or you know, not making that roster, getting cut, but then getting picked up by another sure. team who was able to see you play. Sure. Um, so, I, I from that aspect, I, I feel for those guys because now they have less time to show and shine. Um, the other thing too is the on-field product. Yeah. I mean, you see what happens week one when, you know, guys miss an entire preseason. hmm It's very sloppy the first week. Mm-hmm. Safety first, and I get that. I'm just saying from an on-field product standpoint, from um, you know uh, uh, those guys who are trying to make a roster, that's where it's going to hurt the most, not having the preseason. But I understand why you don't want to travel yeah. with 90 guys week yeah. one.
2: No, I mean, I got it when they said they canceled the first two games of the NFL preseason. I understood that. I got that just because the, the bulk of the conversation online was – you know, the players and coaches want more time to work with each other because they haven't had any practices together. Sure. Right. They haven't been able to do anything. So they wanted more time to work with their players and this and that. I'm like, okay, I get that. You know, I do kind of scratch my head at no preseason games just because, like, all, all the reasons Coach said. But then again, I'm also not a football coach. I'm not an expert. So they know a thousand more things than I do. So they might know better than I do.
0: Well, you always have to worry about that factor that if players don't get enough reps before the season begins the product on the field is not up to par I mean this is where you can take a look at the difference between the NFL and the AAF and mm-hmm. the XFL when they were running it's just different caliber of players different at different levels well
1: not only that I mean just look at the fact that you know players fought for you know limited amount of tackling and hitting practices leading into the season and then no contact well light contact during the week during the season mm-hmm. you know you've seen tackling take a regression because these guys aren't you know quote unquote building up their tackling shoulders you know what i mean like in the nfl and in, in wwe they talk about like your you know your bump cart. you yeah. know like if you don't have your bumps built up you know your back mm-hmm. you get in there for the first time in a few years you're going to feel every nick and cranny you know of every bump you take mm-hmm. so in the nfl is the same thing i mean when you're not tackling and constantly getting that that shoulder getting smacked you know that first hit that you take, you might pull up, something might happen. So sure. tackling has regressed since they've
0: sure. not been
1: doing that. Player safety first. I get why they do it. Right. However, it has hurt the on-field product from the standpoint of tackling, and this is the same thing. You miss four preseason games, you roll out week one, look at college football. Mm-hmm. That's, why, oh, yeah, absolutely. that's why Alabama schedules Northwestern, Mississippi, Tennessee State. There's a reason why they do that because – they haven't played a preseason game besides themselves. Right. They need that tune-up before they go into that Florida State game, that you know, that big Capital One game that they play every year. So
0: missing that preseason is going to hurt the on-field. Oh, and absolutely. And then you have to worry about getting replacement players in. And last, what I was saying, there's a very difference between grabbing somebody that played in the XFL and putting them right in the NFL. Yeah. Because a lot of times the skill set is not there. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, I saw a story written about potential, you know, undrafted or dra- uh, uh, players on the Giants' bubble for making the roster. Mm-hmm. You can't predict that right now because no. you have no idea what this is going to look like. What if the NFL all of a sudden says, "All right, you know, we're gonna you uh, carry your 53-man roster, but we're gonna let you carry 20 practice players in a safe, you know, bubble situation like MLB is doing an off-site place." Sure. You don't know. So how can you can't project roster cuts because we don't know who's even gonna opt in or opt out yet. Right. So
0: you can't predict
1: anything. I know it's for an article in the story that, you know, during quiet times you need to write, but you can't project that.
0: Yeah, it's just something that with players now taking the season off for safety reasons, there's a lot of uncertainty with the NFL. Like we touched upon last segment too with baseball and how teams are traveling into multi-states the NFL is having that same problem they're going to have. Sure. And how they're going to balance this with replacement players, as it it might turn out to be, because if you are a team that is depleted from your normal starting roster, how is that going to go into effect for the games? It's a lot of various, Mm -hmm. varied factors that we just don't know. And going into the season, especially no preseason, your game one week matchups are going to be very, very different than what we've seen in the past. Yeah. I don't know if there's an easy way to predict it. No. I don't I don't think you can until you get there. And if a major superstar like a Tom Brady, like an Aaron Rodgers, uh, like a J.J. Watt decides to take the season off, how much is that going to affect your team? And like Coach said, football trickles down so much into other business areas, it's going to be a huge domino effect mm-hmm. that I don't know if businesses are ready for. I don't know if fans are ready for. It's just something that we – as fans and if you're running a business that deals with the NFL in whatever certain way, you're going to have to be prepared to have a very, very different season than you've had in years past. Yeah, and
2: and you got to figure it will have an effect, at least in terms of betting and in terms with Vegas, just from the fact that if you have a team that is missing a bunch of of key players of varying talent levels, you know, five-star, four-star, three-star, what have you, that if I'm a better in Vegas, if I'm out making bets in Vegas and I'm looking at a team, say – picking randomly off the top of my head Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. that if I'm looking at betting some games I'm looking at that Jaguars whoever they're playing let's just say it's the Raiders I'm looking at that game going yeah, I don't know if I want to pick Jacksonville because they're missing their starting linebacker their starting defensive tackle their starting cornerback they're missing their starting left tackle and they're missing their starting wide receiver
0: yeah you could
2: have a team that God forbid they're missing a lot of key players that some people just aren't gonna to want to mess with
0: and if it's the product is not up to where it's been in the years past, you know a, a lot of criticism is going to be had, yeah. which is unwarranted. But
1: I mean, yeah, because there's just the the ignorance is out there. So yeah, you're going to have people that are going to complain. Like oh my god, yeah. I mean, I get why tackling's regressed. Like I don't complain about it because I understand why it is. It mm-hmm. is, is what it is. I but yeah, I mean, you're going to talk about players, you know, especially quarterbacks and wide receivers. I mean, they are working 365 days a year, timing, route running, mm-hmm. uh, you know, signals, all this stuff, and now they've been regu- regulated to Zoom calls, yeah, you right. know, and Zoom conferences where, yeah, all right, some players and, and um, quarterbacks have had quarantine workouts, which, you know, they weren't supposed to have, which, you know, is whatever. That's their choice. They want to right. do what they can. But, you know, ultimately the ones that really – you know, besides like a Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, where you know they're so synced that they'll be fine come week one. You know, you might have like a Daniel Jones and a Darius Slayton, where they're still trying to grow a relationship as far as a young quarterback and a young wide receiver. That this off-season camp, you know, or off-season workouts that they could have been holding on the side would have been huge for development.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But they don't have that now. No, it's going to be a very, very different product we see on the field. And I yeah. think that we're going to hear more names get dropped out by the time season starts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think that if you are, you know, a veteran player that you know maybe not be not on a contract year that might be a little more comfortable in your status. Sure, sure, you know, might step out. Sure, I don't. I wouldn't blame them at all. It's a smart move to do for them. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, though, you know, maybe you are a veteran player who's you know looking at a contract year who you know, wants to either fight for a long term you know, longer term extension or, you know, maybe fight on to have one more year left.
0: I would understand on the flip side of you staying on. Yeah, there's gonna be varying factors that are gonna go into play. And it depends on where the player is at their career, like you touched yeah. upon. It it's very hard to predict how this season is going to look, but with the amount of names that are dropping out right now, and for very good reason, if it's based off the COVID, yeah, that we completely understand about player yeah, safety.
1: I one hundred percent don't think a player is going to cash out just because they're going to say that oh, I'm going to get paid while I'm, yeah, you know, I because I mean we don't know what the status right. is going to be for those players that do opt out. Are they right. I mean, are they going to get a hundred percent salary, or is it going to be a prorated amount for not playing games? I mean, are they going to get their base amount? You know that's guaranteed, right. and then obviously all signing, but bo- all bonuses and everything like that will be held because they're not meeting uh, those fielding. goals. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if that's the case, you know, maybe it will incentivize guys to come and play. But like in the Dante Hightower thing, you know, your wife just has your first child, you're a veteran, you know, with a probably a comfortable contract left. Do you really need to meet those, you know, roster bonuses and everything? Maybe not.
2: Here's an interesting one for you that just hit the ESPN wire uh, within the last 20 minutes. Uh, Green Bay Packers wide receiver Devin Funches uh, is opting out of the season, uh, citing family health. Uh, so an article from ESPN.com reads, uh, Green Bay Packers receiver Devin Funches, who had first-hand experience with COVID-19 this offseason while caring for family members with the disease, has opted out of the 2020 season. A uh, 26-year-old veteran was the only experienced addition the Packers made to their receiving core, which was viewed as one of the few weaknesses on a team that had reached the end championship last season Uh, he signed a one-year 2.5 million dollar deal that included 1 million dollar signing bonus after a lost year with the Colts in 2019 when he suffered a broken collarbone in week one there you go
0: well there's prime example there
2: that is that is the antithesis of what I was just talking about Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so however Green Bay decides to handle this for the contract that's gonna be the benchmark that is set for across the league I, I mean I would imagine I would think that the you know obviously the NFL players association
1: and the you know NFL have probably already had some sort of talk on I would imagine I mean, so. if they, yeah if they're letting players opt out then obviously there must have been some sort of yeah uh something set which I would imagine is your guarantee will be paid but roster bonuses and and everything because I mean that's that's the funny thing about the NFL which no other you know, league really has. Right. The NFL, your, your base contract might only be five hundred thousand, but mm. your roster bonuses and your incentives might be worth seven point five million. Yeah. You know, so like with Devin Funches, his 2. 5, 1 million of that might be guaranteed, one point five of that might be all incentives.
0: It's so many variables. So I mean, yeah.
2: If your company, you know, a base salary of a million dollars, I'm sure is probably enough. For him to say no, thanks. Well, we might even have an answer. Reading further down in the article uh, it says, "Funches was placed on the reserve slash opt-out list, which allows the Packers to retain him under the same contract for the 2021 season."
0: Oh, that's smart. I think right. Which I say. mean, that makes uh, yeah.
1: Listen, we've talked about what this you know the NBA and the NHL and you know MLB what this will mean for contracts because I mean you're not playing a full year in the NBA. Obviously, they're playing as close to a full year you know as you could as you could so you would think that their contracts will move on Mm. but you know for guys that opted out what does that mean like a Trevor Ariza you know who had a one-year deal signed with Portland like he played Mm -hmm. 70 percent of the games until COVID hit in March is he gonna is that contract gonna be retained with the NFL it's easy because they'll just move the money over to that list
3: yeah
0: right So that being said, we're going to have to just keep our eyes on how the league is going to be reacting this season, and I would imagine we're going to hear more names get added. Yeah. It's going to be a different product on the field, but we're still going to get the NFL Uh as it stands right now. We hope. we, We hope, but a lot of things can change between now and then. So you're just going to have to stay tuned to your team and you know, get ready for some football, however it's going to be interpreted in the fall. Yeah. One team, though, that is going to have a completely different look to their backfield is the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Pad, do you have the trade that shook the NFL up?
2: Yeah, so there was a trade that went down a couple days ago. Uh, Of course, we all know how the uh, former New York Jets uh, defense, safety defense Jamal Adams wanted out of there in like the worst way humanly possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was willing to do anything and everything to get out of that city. I'm pretty sure he would, was willing to like hitchhike his way out of there. Uh, wanted out that badly. Uh, no, he got his wish and was uh, able to get out of there and land in. Now I know he wanted to go to Dallas and fans even caught him someplace. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you're coming to Dallas. And he was like, oh, yep. And well, didn't go to Dallas. He ended up going to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks will send safety bradley mcdougall uh and then the first round picks in 2021 and 2022 and a third round pick in 2021 uh to the jets in exchange for adams and the jets fourth round pick in 2022 uh this is all pending physicals coach your thoughts
1: so i have two thoughts after reading a little more into the trade that this can go one of two ways for the jets one that they now position themselves because offensively, I mean, outside Le'Veon Bell and you know Robert Robbie Anderson a little bit, you know, who has his ups and downs. Adam really, fantasy
2: more downs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and Crowder yeah. um, have not a ton of weapons. You know, for no. Sam Darnold. No. So if he has, you know, a good year or even a moderately okay year, that they can use these picks to position themselves to go out and get some skill players. This, you know, draft. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Or.
1: Maybe he has a bad year, and now they have these draft picks to then use to move up in the draft to get one of the quarterbacks that are coming out this year, mm-hmm. i.e. Trevor
0: Lawrence. It's a big move they can do. Uh, I fully agree with you that the Jets could come out of this either on the flip side great in position for the future or –
1: Well, either way, bad.
0: I mean, I think that – I, I just it, This trade really
1: is – and it's not so much on Jamal Adams' um, – Contributions in Seattle the way that this trade should be weighed. Sure, it should be weighed on how does Sam Darnold perform? Because right. if Sam Darnold performs well, they can go and use these picks to go get a few players. Mm-hmm. If he plays bad, then they got move these use these picks to move up, which does not help. I so th- I
2: think it already works out good for. I'm not gonna say great. It works out good for the Jets because you get a distraction out of the locker
1: room. Well, that too. Yeah.
2: Because let's face it, no matter what the protocols and what goes on with the NFL season. You know, if the reporters are in person or on Zoom calls, what's the one question Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, and even and the head coach with the Jets or any other position player on that team gonna get asked if Jamal Adams wasn't traded? What do you think they're gonna go what do you think about Jamal Adams' uh, Instagram post? Did you Did you hear what he said uh, the other day in, in the media? It was going to be all questions about him. It's not going to be, "Hey, what are you doing to prepare this week for the Buffalo Bills?" What, what do you What you What do you What, do you, what do you think of your uh, What do you think of that fourth quarter drop pass? Was it just an overthrown ball? Was it this no? It's going to be all questions about Jamal Adams. But now with that gone, they can focus on the game. Now whether it works out for them and the draft picks and what have you, wait and see.
0: You definitely have to see. By, by the way, Robbie Anderson is with Carolina now. Oh. Uh-huh. So, so they're, well, there you they're go. even hurting more. I have to say that Seattle, though, is going to have one of the scariest defensive backfields in all the league.
1: Yeah, imagine if they would
0: have brought Clowney back, too. Yeah. yeah.
2: He's, well, he's a free agent. He's there, no.
0: He, he could still wind up going back there. I don't think he's going to. But if they decide to bring back the Legion of Boom 2.0.
2: Yeah, how'd that work for him in 49?
1: Well, yeah. I just – I mean – the with Jamal Adams and the distraction. I mean, when he was on the field, it was fine. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. I mean, this sure. off, this off season, he had his highs of I want out, I want out. But once you know, he didn't get traded. He was a little quieter. I sure. mean, yeah, there was a couple posts here and there that were a little sure. like you know interpreted your own way. Um, but for Seattle, this is a no-brainer. I mean, yeah, you're talking about Legion of Doom uh, 2.0. You're talking about having a dynamic, versatile play- playmaking safety mm-hmm. that is an absolute ball hawk that you can use in multiple positions, You know, not just at safety. You can line them up in the box. You can put them in the slot. So, I mean, for Seattle that knows and can utilize that type of player, this is a perfect landing spot for him. Much better than what he would have been in Dallas. Oh, absolutely. Dallas, yeah.
0: Dallas who got lost in the shuffle.
1: Well, not even just that. They just want to use them the way that Seattle will. Right. That's. I mean. mean, Seattle made Earl Thomas a Pro Bowl player.
0: Right. And Jamal Adams is going to be having a monster year if he can just stay healthy and get on the field. Yeah. I, I fully think him and Pete Carroll is going to be a good match and definitely an upgrade from Adam Gase. Yeah. Uh, Gase, uh, I, whatever is yeah, going on down with the Jets right now, is absolutely crazy. I know Le'Veon Bell immediately got on uh, social media and had some... Uh, cho- week, week 14? Yeah, some choice opinions about that, and yeah, week 14 was the response.
1: Well, I just, yeah, I mean, the ups and downs like with, you know, Le'Veon Bell and, and the Gase comments, you know, the overweight comment and then everything, and then obviously the shots that were made, you know, at Jamal Adams by Gase, I mean, it just sounds like, you know, a little unraveling almost, a little untethered, mm-hmm. um, but Week fourteen is going to be exciting because these two are going to be matched up against each other, and one's going to uh-huh. run into the other. Yeah, well, who wins? We'll see.
0: Yeah, I like Adams in that one. Yeah, I, I really do. I'm. just yeah.
1: I mean, listen, I saw when I mean he literally ripped that hand the ball from Jamal Adams like a, you know a grown man taking candy from a baby. I mean, he just snatched it. So he's a grown man playing football.
0: Yeah, Adams is an absolute beast and he's going to be wrecking havoc in the NFC West, which I am so happy he's no longer in the AFC East. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm definitely glad it wasn't traded to Dallas because that was my concern. You know, obviously it was seeing him twice a year, so that was always, you know, it was bad enough seeing him, you know, once every four years. But, you know, again, we'll see him once every four years, but... Uh yeah, definitely not seeing them twice is better than anything at all.
0: Yeah, so I think Seattle definitely won the trade here and with the Jets, who knows what they're gonna do with those draft picks. It'd be smart to think start thinking some upgrades in certain areas, but it's the Jets, so I don't know. We're gonna yeah, really see I don't about think that. they know. I don't think they definitely do either. But let us end on one of the most uh surprising stories of the year. Yeah. I would have to say. Yeah. It was announced that Alex Smith Uh is returning to play football. He has been medically cleared to return to Washington.
2: Which, given the state of his leg after that gruesome injury, uh, if you haven't seen it or you're not familiar with the story, check out the ESPN E60, I believe it was. Great E60. Yeah. Freakish injury.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the most horrific leg injuries you'll ever see happen to a human body in any sport. I
2: think you and I were at a local establishment when that injury went down. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, they showed the play live because hey, it's live. Once they went to replays, they did not show that replay.
0: No, but we saw that live, and I think you heard the entire
2: establishment just drop. Uh huh. Like, the, well, and even the even bigger concern was uh, when Joe Theismann hopped on Twitter within fifteen twenty minutes afterwards, and it was like, "Yeah, that Alex Smith injury looks a lot like mine
0: did." Yeah, yeah it, it was one of the most horrific things. So to see him back on the field oh, playing, oh, amazing. Incredible coach, your thoughts? I mean, the
1: Bungazas, you know, the stones on him. Uh To not only uh, want to return but will return is tremendous. I mean, the mental – aspect of this i mean not just the physical you know the rehab and the and the surgeries and all that stuff like yeah that's tough but it's the mental aspect that i don't think people really take into effect because i mean you're going to plant that leg again to throw Uh and it's going to be vulnerable again and you have to mentally be able to you know be in the pocket and have those bodies flying around you but look downfield and not check out you know so i Uh mean mentally and then mentally the to to get up for the rehab every day and to say that I'm going to return, to say that I need to do this, to say that I want to do this, you know, just takes another level of a human. And, I mean, I always liked Alex Smith, you know, from those days in San Francisco. You know, I always thought he had a tough break. You know, between you know four offensive coordinators and four years, you know, to then getting let go and, and going to Kansas City, where you know Forty ers quarterbacks go to die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought that would be the end of his run. He had a resurgence there, you know, and then obviously was making some headway in Washington up until the injury. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see without, you know, camp and without preseasons, uh, games, you know, what he's able to do with a new coaching staff there and Ron Rivera, you know, obviously new coaching staffs aren't necessarily sold on the incumbent quarterback that's there before. So how will Rivera feel about Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Haskins? You don't know, you know, will he opt to have a more veteran presence in Alex Smith? Um, so that will be interesting storylines for the Washington football team.
0: Yeah, definitely going to be an interesting uh, story for Alex Smith to write, and especially for what he did, like you said, in San Francisco, had a yeah. tough, tough deal there, went to Kansas City, and is responsible for how Patrick Mahomes is now. Let's not forget Yeah, yeah like, I mean, yeah.
1: that. I mean, the, listen, I the 49er quarterback go-to-die thing is a reference to Joe Montana and Elvis yeah. Gerback because, I mean, back-to-back 49er quarterbacks went there at the end of their career but had, you know, ability to, to – Almost have resurgences, you know, and save and salvage a few years left. And, you know, that's what Alex Smith did. I mean, he was written out, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Patrick Mahomes was right there, and they held steadfast. Alex Smith is our guy. Alex Smith is our guy, and everybody. Oh you should play Mahomes you should play Mahomes and Andy Reid stayed and said no 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 we're not ready Alex Smith is our guy and I mean they, he led them to a division mm-hmm. title and almost a uh, AFC championship run that year you know yeah. what I mean yeah. so he played
2: well and obviously earned his contract in Washington yeah. so yeah I mean if he makes it on the field you've already got your comeback of the, you know comeback player of the year oh, locked, yeah. locked, locked Without in. question, if he does make it back on the field though that is your comeback story he, all he has of, to of, do of is the Oh yeah of the millennium yeah, all he has yeah. To, of all the, he, the millennium because I think anyone who looked at that injury and especially the the images in the intervening months of just what his leg looked like in the 11 surgeries he had to have on that leg and just how black it looked I think there's a lot of people with varying degrees of medical experience looked at it myself zero medical experience I looked at that leg and I go yeah there's no way he's playing
1: again anybody else would have given up
2: there's yeah. no way but to see him get medically cleared and on the cusp of coming back and stepping onto a football field again the hats off to you
0: to, to describe how that leg was, I mean, that thing almost looked like it was going to get amputated. It right was almost there. amputated. It was. It almost. was. Yeah, yeah, to say just the discoloring and just bruising and, and brokenness of that leg. It, it, to, you can go Google it yourself. I'm not, I,
2: like I, I said, the E60 they did on his whole story is great.
0: Right. But to see him actually suit up this year, that will be the comeback story of the year. And him to take one snap mm-hmm. will be I, incredible. He just needs
1: to walk on the field, man, honestly. I mean, just to be on the field dressed you know in full uniform and everything yeah that's tremendous
0: yeah so hopefully we get to see him suit up and play this year because we just don't know about the NFL season moving forward but we're going to definitely be watching hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPH what is your thoughts about the current state of the NFL going forward no preseason players taking a season off because of COVID precautions and the big Jamal Adams trade where where is your thoughts about that do you think Seattle won that or you think the Jets did hit us up let us know we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back
2: Wonder Soul, Wonder, Wonder soul. soul, Wonder Soul. Hey, I'm Lucas, the host of Wonder Soul, a weekly podcast series featuring a variety of topics dealing with life's many passions and experiences. Join me and friends each week as I discuss topics ranging from pop culture to real-life conversations that all can find relatable. New episodes bring new guests and new topics, and release every Friday. More content can be found on Wonder Soul's YouTube and Twitch channels. Stay up to date and connect with Wonder Soul through social media by following us on Twitter and Instagram. And we hope that you enjoy Wonder Soul wherever you listen to podcasts. So do good and take care.
0: Hey, this is Madrone. This is Julian Hepworth. I'm Ross Marjuga, and John McBride, and to robots. You're listening to. coming back for segment number three on this edition of the odph podcast and we say bon voyage to fight island for now now this past week was the final event currently scheduled for abu dhabi uh, the big UFC fight island where they've been having international fights go on since COVID has really shut down a lot of their places that they to be fighting in the United States. So they did go out with a bang. Definitely a lot to take away from this past card. So, Pad, let us break it down. There is a new emerging superstar in the UFC.
2: Yeah. Uh, it is in the welterweight division, and the gentleman's name is uh, Kaz... Kamzat Chimaev, uh, who defeated Reese McKee over the weekend uh, in the first round with a knockout. and Oh boy, it's not the knockout people are talking about. It's what he's done, Ken.
0: Yeah, so to break it down, he fought on July 15th, and he just fought July 25th. Uh, during the first fight he was in the UFC 4 on Fight Island, he landed 124 strikes. Oh. John Phillips' his opponent landed two. Oh. Oh. This past fight... Chimayev was landing 68 strikes to Rice McKees, zero. Uh Yikes. So bring in a total of 192 strikes to two in two fights in 10 days. I mean,
1: that's why you're able to perform so quick. (laughs) No need for medical. Uh,
0: I
2: think that's a little lopsided.
0: Yeah, this is absolutely wild to see. So now the UFC has an emerging superstar in that welterweight division, not that they needed to add anybody else in that one no, but good the lord but this this fighter is going to get skyrocketed he has just this aura around him like when you when you start hearing about the fighters that get all the hype behind them some of them pan out sure some of them do not this guy already in two fights we've seen has looked absolutely dominant yeah, yeah i
1: was just gonna say you can't have that kind of performance on that on espn broadcasted fights yeah and not get a little buzz generator well it.
2: And, and if you have the opportunity and you haven't seen the fight you should he's landing these punches on the guy and, and i get that it's not the normal crowd and there's not the normal you know noise in the background but still i haven't heard punches land on a person the way even with all the fights in Fight Island the way he landed fights on on McKee that they were just bombs and he's just and it's just like holy shit that hurts me and I'm sitting you know however many thousands of miles away
0: yeah it was just outright frightening so the man is going to definitely get skyrocketed up the card. He has already been announced that he has a fight coming up August 15th already. Donald Cerrone, eat your heart out. He might be fighting Cer- We don't know who he's fighting. I wouldn't this, doubt This Cerrone. is like a
2: Cerrone level of work ethic.
0: Yeah, he is. Uh, was begging for a media fight after his first one on the 15th. He was granted it. Now he's asking. He said in the post-fight interview, too, he's like, give me an hour. I'm ready to go. I mean, if you're not getting hit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he just goes in there, and the thing about it too, Daniel Cormier pointed this out. I, I want to say it was on Ariel Helwani show. He said Chimaev just gets in the pocket like Habib, or well, Habib will like stick and move and, and work angles to you know set up his sample. Right. Chimayev was just standing there smiling, oh, like yeah. bringing on, oh, and yeah. like just daring him to his opponent to hit him, like that kind of fierce. Mental game. That's shit that
1: scares me at night. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that uh, he's going to be fighting for a title sooner than later. That's why oh, Miles ball scares the hell out of me. Yeah. I mean, people who
1: smile while getting punched in the face freak me out.
0: Yeah. So Chimea definitely looked <laughs> looked the role. Yeah. Uh, I expect a big announcement of who he's going to be fighting. Maybe somebody in the top 15 uh, of the welterweight division, somebody on the lower half. Could be. Uh, we'll see, but don't doubt that he gets a top 10 opponent by yep. year's end at this pace. Yeah. The hype is real with him. <laughs> Had that being said, who else we got in the card? Car
2: uh, after that, you had another matchup in the welterweight division, which was Alex Oliveira, uh, who defeated Peter uh, Sabota uh, by unanimous decision.
0: Cowboy Oliveira is definitely somebody that gets in the cage and scraps. Yeah, and he definitely always puts on a show. Uh, always a fun fighter to watch. So, wasn't too surprised at this one. Fight went very back and forth. But wasn't surprised at that decision at all.
2: No, neither was I. I mean, kind of what I expected to get, and especially given the fact that all three judges had it thirty twenty seven.
0: Yeah. No. Oliver looked great in that fight. Yeah. Uh,
2: after that was a light heavyweight matchup between Paul Craig and, and I. Good Lord, I won't even attempt this last name. Uh, Gazdimuhurad uh, Antigulov. I love uh, it. Apologies if that's wrong. Uh, Paul de- uh, defeated his opponent via triangle choke submission. Oh, I did catch this one. That was Whoa. nuts.
1: Break it down for uh, us. I mean, I don't I don't remember it verbatim. I just remember he uh, caught uh, – there was a little bit of an entanglement on the ground, uh-huh. and he was trying to work for the arm, which they were talking about. He was trying to work yeah. for an arm bar. Yeah, he was. Almost got out of it and then caught him with the triangle choke after re, You know, grap- grasping his arm and just – pulled that the triangle choke down it was very impressive i mean to be able to go you know from an arm bar you know to a guy almost escaping and then being able to re-up for a
2: triangle choke which is like one of the most difficult submission holds in all of mma yeah like that's hell of impressive yeah and especially the only thing i remember the submission the only other thing i remember about this was his opponent when they were on the ground scrapping his opponent almost tried doing like a backward somersault to yeah try and just get out of it but his toes kept getting caught in the in the chain link fence or whatever you want to call it and the ref kept going, no, 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 no. And I'm like, can't do that.
0: The one thing about it, he was also patient, taking a lot of shots and setting up that arm. Like, I yeah. I, I know I was talking with Rich from 3FN about it, too. And everybody that's it just said how patient he was getting oh, yeah. hit. Because he, he got hit. He got a couple punches to the face, if I remember. Oh, yeah. He, was, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he was getting shots landed on him. So, to see that was just downright frightening and just that that skill level of patience. Because mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of fighters do that. That. I mean, obviously, you know get in the cage, you're going to get hit, it's going to be a rough night, you understand that. But to take that amount of damage yeah. and still be composed enough to try putting on a triangle choke, and you don't see them happen a lot in the UFC nowadays as in a submission, you do see them as you know, an actual finish. But to see that level get pulled off, truly impressive. So definitely
2: hats yeah. off. Uh, next up, you had a women's strawweight matchup where Carla Esparza defeated Marina Rodriguez by split decision.
0: Yeah, this one was a pretty good fight. Yeah, uh, went very back and forth. I know Carla took a a lot of damage. Oh, in this she
2: point. had the uh, she had a nasty uh, what the heck do you call it like swollen eye. Yeah, it was uh, on, She took a nasty cut in her eye, just swelled.
0: Yeah, it was almost like a broken orbital. Yeah, that's, what it, look,
2: that's what it looked like. I I was watching oh. it, I was watching it with my girlfriend, and she was doing the post fight interview, and that was the, like I kept pointing it out to my girlfriend, but she couldn't. Notice it because it was going so quick, and then she finally saw it. She's like, "Ooh!" I was like, "Yeah." She's not seeing out of that out of that thing tomorrow.
0: No, definitely not. So it was. Just brutal to see. Yeah, But this one, uh fight kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. I mean, yeah. Rod- Rodriguez was definitely in the fight, and like I say, could have gone either way, but it yep. just just hung in there and definitely outpointed
2: it. Yep. Uh, next up was the heavyweight division matchup between Fabrizio Verdum, who defeated Alexander Gustafson via armbar submission. Not something you see often in the heavyweight division submissions. No. Coach, you have any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I uh, caught all this one because the uh, premier game had ended. Man, dude, Guston fighting at 240. That is a big jump from 205. Yeah. That is yeah. heavy, and he looked it. Yeah. You know, yeah. he looked heavy. I, w- w- you know, when we talked about this fight, when we previewed it, previewed it the week before, had kind of wondered in my head like what he would come in at. You know, not sure. knowing because sure. like John walks around at like 225, 230. Yeah. in between his light heavyweight fights and cuts down to 205. So I kind of wondered what Guffson would come in at, thinking that all right, he's a taller guy, so you know he pr- definitely has to cut down to two hundred five. Does he walk around maybe at like 220, 225, and that's what he would fight at? Mm-hmm. So when they pegged him at two forty, I was like, "Holy shit, you put on a lot of weight, homie! Like this yeah. isn't just normal. Like you put on weight, mm-hmm. and it looked it. You know, I mean, yeah. at first he was still able to move and everything, but then Verdoom got
2: him to the ground, and it was." Done. It, yeah, and Alexander Gustafson is not exactly a spring chicken when it comes to fighting in the UFC. He's a very seasoned veteran. He just looked, I don't want to say outclassed, but he he was fighting a tougher class of opponent, it felt like, just because it didn't feel his usual skill set was there.
0: Well, the one thing you got to remember, too, is Gustafson is coming out of, quote-unquote, retirement. Yeah, yeah, and I
2: thought, so when you mentioned that in the show,
1: I didn't really give it any thought, but then after the fight... You know, especially to, to I mean, your, your arm gets caught, it gets caught. Like, you know, just like Brock Lesnar, it happens. You know, you can't help it. You're, you're trying to prevent a choke. You're trying to prevent this. And then the next thing you know, you're giving up your arm and, you know, it slips. Um, so I didn't really put that together. And then when I watched this fight, like, yeah, that retirement. You know, you talk and then coming back to fight again—it's gotta fuck with you mentally. Yeah, that's yeah. why I
0: said I don't think you looked that mentally sharp going in there. No, I think that he had the fire to come back and start training, and he was like, "Okay, let me take a shot at it." Because yeah. obviously, light heavyweight—he wasn't gonna get a title shot anytime soon. No, it just 240's
1: no. 240's heavy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
0: he was working his strikes. Don't get me wrong, but it—it it almost reminded me of a bigger scale of when Max Holloway was yes. fighting um, uh, Tony Ferguson. Or I no, no um, it was Dustin Poirier. Yeah. Okay. And you just saw the size difference. Yep, right. Because yep. Verdum is a very big heavyweight. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Gustafson just looked big, but you could see in that takedown that happened, because Gustafson started landing strikes. Verdum is a submission specialist. Yeah. The minute he got that takedown, it was done because it just looked like Verdum's size was too much for Gustafson. Yeah, uh-huh. and once it got to the ground, Gustafson knew he was in trouble. Verdum slaps on the armbar, and it was almost like clinical. Verdum's first win in three years.
1: I don't. I don't think that you know Gustafson can't fight at the heavyweight division. I just think that two forties. Too heavy for yeah. him. Like I think if he would have been at more of a two twenty five, two thirty, you know, a little bit lighter, a little more agile. Yeah, all right. Verdum gets you to the ground. He's gonna lay on you, and that's gonna be difficult yeah. to get up from. Period. Yeah. You know, I mean, it yeah. doesn't. That doesn't matter. I think Verdum was fighting at two sixty. Yeah. If memory serves certainly yeah, correct. So I mean, two, yeah, yeah, that's heavy. You know, I mean, so giving up forty pounds, like you know, maybe a first fight for him should have been more of like a striker style guy than taking on somebody who was, you know, obviously a jujitsu. Expert, expert, somebody that's going to be able to strap in, you know, and uh, take you down with a a submission. So, but just two forty, so fucking heavy that he looked it. He looked heavy, not like uh, like a Randy Couture when he went up from light heavyweight to heavyweight and was still like. You know, look scrappy.
0: Mm. He just looks sluggish. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he definitely looked the. So I think if he's going to stay up at heavyweight, which I think he has to, if he's going to be, yeah, he doesn't the UFC. have a
2: choice. He's got nothing left at uh, light heavyweight, unless he goes
0: to Bellator. Yeah. Like he'd have to yeah. leave the UFC to make another run. Yeah. Uh I think that he definitely needs to go back to the drawing board, get back in more shape, yeah. and get refocused. And if this is going to be what you want to do. You have to do this. Maybe,
2: maybe even spend some more time at whatever weight he's going to be fighting at uh, for yeah. Agreed. Because I don't know how long he was at weight for. You know, at the weight he was at for this fight, but maybe it wasn't long enough. Yeah, that he just wasn't used to it.
1: I mean, he could have easily put on and packed on to 240 with how long he was off i mean it was sure. almost a year and a half right since he fought john yeah so he could have you know easily put on the weight to move up the heavyweight and got comfortable with it during camp but he uh, it, it just didn't look it. you. I mean, you you can tell when a guy doesn't look comfortable in his own skin when he fights, and that was it. Yeah, he definitely didn't look
2: yeah, comfortable. It, uh, just looking it up, it was a little over a year. His last fight was a loss to Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith, Smith. On, okay. on June 1st of last year. Yeah, so okay. a little over
1: a year. So a year of, like, back and forth probably, and then maybe
0: six, seven months saying, all right, I'll fight at heavyweight, and then putting on the weight. Yeah. Uh-huh. So whatever he's going to do next is anybody's guess. Verdum uh, said he is not resigning with the UFC. So sure. I would imagine if, I am Scott, if I'm Scott Coker at Bellator, hi, Verdun versus Ryan Bader is one of the biggest heavyweight matchups you can make. Yeah, I'd love to see that fight. I think that that is just headlines all over the place. I know that's been going around social media. I love that idea. Yeah, Let's going to the co-main now.
2: Uh, this one, like we said last week, for the old school fans, uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua taking on Little Nog. Uh, Shogun defeated Little Nog via split decision.
0: Let's go back to the time warp again, shall we? Yeah, I'll say, <laughs> and
2: if you didn't believe us and you watch the fight, you now believe us because of some of the footage they were showing from their first fight.
0: Yeah, the announcers literally, uh, who was
1: it, Dan Hardy, was like, this is their first fight in a replay. Yeah. And I love the one tweet, though, I can't remember who tweeted it, that was like, uh, I think uh, Rua went down for a takedown, and they are like, you can't go for a takedown in a trilogy, man. That's breaking a cardinal rule. Yeah, I some, thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, somebody made the point,
0: too. Cause yeah. They've they had some legendary battles over the years, and, and Shogun wins. the hat, I think he got the hat trick on this one. I, don't think, I think he's always beaten Lil' Nog. Yes, yes yeah. I believe so. And I'm, I'm sorry, Lil' Nog is 45, as they said. So <laughs> yeah. this I mean, one went the way I thought it was going to go, Shogun. Uh, is definitely not a young man by any means either <laughs> my, my
2: I, one chance I felt at a double knockout out the window yeah there were a couple instances that looked like it might happen it just it, it was everything
0: I expected it to be so uh what's next I mean hopefully retirement uh, era is retiring and and with Shogun who knows Cause I don't Shog- want it th-
2: Shogun I th- I heard that it might have been his last fight hopefully were there people in the audience? But the rumors I've been hearing is he doesn't want to go out with nobody in the audience. I don't know who wants to see him fight because I know I don't want to see him fight again. He
1: didn't look good. No, no. no, At this stage, I'm sorry. Father time has caught up to him. Yeah, I mean, his
0: prime, man, one of the best. Yeah, I mean, him
1: in that that middle that light heavyweight run that he has, champion, like you know, you definitely was like, oh, Rua's gonna fuck somebody up. Mm -hmm. Then John came in messed him mentally up and he has not been the same since that fight with John.
0: Well John does that with people, man. If, yeah. If you if you look at John's track record for the light heavyweight division uh-huh. and everybody he's ran through, those fighters have never really been the same. Yeah.
1: Well outside of uh, Comier. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Well yeah DC well DC is a natural heavyweight. So him coming down a light heavyweight I right. you know was but I'm just
1: saying he fought him and yeah, you know yeah. he's still the world heavyweight champion. That's so I true. mean
0: Yeah for but Rua
1: years. man, he fought— well,
0: too. Yeah. just yeah. fell off the face of the earth well that's Man. the thing when you when you get in there with john and especially you can see the evolution of the fighters <laughs> oh it, it just it is what it yeah, is i mean because yeah. when you have a young fighter that rises up the ranks as quickly as john did and for a lot of veterans in there that they are that stage it's like you have to really adapt and really switch things up or keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing and Hope the best when you're in fights, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, yeah. that's just, yeah. That's, that's yeah. just my takeaway from it. Yeah. Uh, Sloppy.
2: And then for your main event, you have in the middleweight division, Robert Whitaker defeat Darren Till by unanimous decision.
1: All right. First off, elephant in the room, Darren Till, smaller cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not yeah. necessary, my guy. <laughs> I hate to tell you, you ain't packing that if you're wearing them kind of shorts. Time you know what man. I'm saying? You're not Patrick Ewing duct taping <laughs> it to your, to your leg. All right? Let's lower the cup size. That was obnoxious. Got to
2: admit, I didn't notice
1: that. Oh, my God. So. I literally, watching the fight, the first thing I saw when he was doing his little pump-up was that. And I was like, my God, dude. Seriously? And he, and he adjusted it. And I'm like, oh what did that do? What did that do? Were you trying to intimidate him by trying to show like that you got a big cup size on? I mean, not working,
0: obviously. At Coach Stuffy Eleven was tweeting Dude, about it this. Dude, yeah, it
1: was yeah. it was nuts. Like I literally I texted you guys because yeah, I, I felt yeah. like it was. Listen, it was a little past my bedtime. Uh, my daughter had a softball tournament. I had the kids all day. I was a little sleepies. You know, and the fight kind of lulled me to sleep a little bit in the first two rounds. So I watched it on replay, and when I watched it, first thing,
0: what the fuck?
1: <laughs> like what the fuck?
0: <laughs> I, I guess I'm used to seeing until fights. Or I, I guess I, I just, yeah. I, I mean, I, this I was the first time I'd seen him. I'd heard of him before, but. Well, this is something. Yeah, he's always been known to wear like extremely tight gear. Yeah, you know? sure. And so, I mean, yeah.
1: listen, I get it. If I was a fighter, that's probably what I would rock too. Yeah. I just don't think that I would have my cup pointed so it was north and south and s- or east to west instead of north to south. I think I would want my cup actually in position to protect myself, not make it
0: look like I'm packing heat. That's an interesting take, Coach. I'm just saying. I, I
1: mean, all I texted you guys. I go, remind me of Shawn Michaels on that infamous promo with Vince McMahon where he was jumping up with the sock in his pants. That's all I could think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was one thing. The great fight, yeah. Till, well, Till, yeah. Till was definitely adjusting himself a little bit. The, the <laughs> fact that you pointed, the fact that you pointed that out, like at, when you were texting him, like, okay, I because I was just watching the the setup you had because when Till got in there, I mean, he, him being in middleweight is a better weight class for him. Like, sure, he, like he he struggles at welterweight, and this one is a natural weight class for him. Robert Whitaker coming back off some time off, yeah, looked downright scary. Oh. Look, good. Look good. look good, look good, real good, good. real good. Looked very patient, taking some yeah, shots. Yeah. Uh, I know that one short elbow he threw in the second, that looked look Oof. brutal. Yeah. Oof. I mean, even Till till threw him one, too, which I was a knockdown. And, Caught him early. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was that. They were exchanging very well. And I thought once you get to the deep waters, though, Whitaker being a former champion, he's used to this. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't really look too fazed. Till, I think, started looking out of gas.
2: Nah, yeah, midway agree.
1: midway through the fourth, you could definitely see the slowdown until his
0: game. Yeah,
2: yeah, it wasn't like sucking wind and like, uh, I got nothing left. But, yeah, no, a little, little hitch in his step. Yeah.
0: yeah, it was definitely something that he needs to work on. And as, especially for him at that, uh, in the middleweight division, he is walking around at that weight, maybe has a little more on him, trying to get some muscle. He's got to work on that cardio. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, well, yeah. again, though, for him in this position, it's like, yeah, all right, you're moving up. And you're in the main event, so they allow it to be five rounds. That's a difficult position for a guy who's probably used to being, you know, a little bit heavier and fighting three. So it's a little bit of an adjustment. Um and you know obviously, when your cut piece is you it's weighing you down, I'm just kidding, no, <laughs> just seriously like I mean, when you're fighting five rounds like that, I mean it's gotta be difficult on you from a mental standpoint because you're used to you know putting the weight on fighting three, and then all of a sudden, when you don't get that early knock you know knockout, now you're going two plus more rounds. this is Whitaker you know this is where Whitaker's comfortable because yep. he's been there before,
0: yeah. So, Whitaker definitely took advantage of the situation. And that just goes to championship mentality. Yeah. So, it's not to say Till's not going to bounce right back because Till will.
1: No, he performed very well. I mean, Anasanya, I know, had a tweet that said that he'd much rather fight Till. Then Whitaker, which, I mean, might be just be a mental game, you know, uh, with Adesanya taking a shot at Whitaker saying you're not on my level. but Or maybe he really just wants the challenge of Till because his hands are heavy. Yeah, well, I
0: think Till-Adesanya is a definite box office fight. Sure. Like, that one will definitely generate it. Uh, Adesanya looking ahead of Paulo Costa, though, I don't think is a good idea, uh, even though he's, he's he's tweeting out there. Well, I mean, yeah. Dana
1: White clearly made that point that it's not happening yet. So yeah, let's
0: uh, not even pretend like it is as, as of yet. But the <laughs> con- the contract is all but said and done. Like, because so. I mean, Dana made it very clear two weeks ago that it ain't happening. Yeah, but I I think if from what I was reading correctly though, that contract is almost done. So okay. so that's going to get locked in. But Adesanya is not wrong for you know creating a little hype for that because I don't know if he wants another part of Whitaker. Because Whitaker, I think, coming back for the belt is going to be hungrier. Yeah. And he's one of those deceptive fighters. Like, he doesn't talk a lot of trash. But he's one of those guys, like, he can flip that switch on when he walks to the cage and he's like, it's go time. Well, the oh,
1: announcers yeah. talked about that, too, because Till came out in silence. And they were like, you know, oh, this is a mental game by him, you know, coming out in silence. And then Whitaker came out to music. But apparently Whitaker normally, like, when he gets after, he gets the Vaseline on, you know, will... raw you yeah, know. He goes and, nuts. Yeah, will go nuts. He was very calm this time. And they said... You know, And then he gave one pre-fight yell, and they're like, this is definitely a different Robert Whitaker than well, what no. we've seen before.
2: Didn't they say Whitaker came out silent because he comes out to what? Sweet Caroline? But no, that's el- Tilt. Oh, that's Till. Oh, that's Till, okay.
0: Yeah, Till comes out of Sweet Caroline, but, but he's, he's like, that dying. song belongs to the people. He's like, Yeah, so that people.
2: so he came out silent. Whitaker
1: came out, but wasn't yelling. It wasn't as hyped up as he normally was, which for the... I mean, what they were making it sound like on the play-by-play was this is a new sign. Like, this is a sign of calmness of a collective fighter versus a fighter who comes out, you know, with all adrenaline. You know, yeah. like a more cool, calm, collective guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: which... Like I say, it was a great fight, and I think both fighters actually look good. I mean, till even in defeat, because it, it shows he can hang in that division. That's one thing that I've always been wondering about. I mean,
1: listen, that elbow at the end, you
0: know, almost,
1: that gash that Whitaker had on the left side of his head, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if the ref could have caught a glimpse of it and actually see it, I mean, he was gushing blood. Yeah, he
0: might have stopped the that fight. That might
1: have stopped the fight. And, you know, they mentioned that again on the play by play, too, that he was very smart because after that cut, You know, Whitaker noticed it. He, you know, started doing a little more uh, grappling and held him up against the cage, you know, and leaned the cut into Till's shoulder. Mm -hmm. So the referee couldn't walk around and see it and get that angle. And there was only like 25 seconds left Mm -hmm. in the fight by the time the cut really started, you know, bleeding. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a veteran presence, too, because, yeah, I mean, that, that was big time
0: blood. Oh, yeah. It was definitely gushing all over the cage. I mean, you have to say, in kind of closing with about Fight Island, it lived up to the hype. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I t- I
1: talked about this as not a big UFC guy as you guys are from, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, This definitely made me reinvest back into the UFC because th- it was the only game in town. And they did a great job with great fights, great cards, um, uh, good opponents, you know, and, and solid fights. Yeah, obviously there were some referee issues and some yeah, controversies. Yeah, the Herb, and the Herb some, Dean
0: versus Dan Hardy thing. Yeah, the and, there was some,
1: and there were some ups and downs. But, you know, all the fights, all in all, were very, very good. So Fight Island,
0: great success. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see them go back, even though I know the next fight is scheduled for the Apex.
2: Yes, the next couple are for the Apex.
0: Yeah, so Fight Island, though, I think definitely was a success. It can show they can do the international fights there. Still had that UFC feel into it, which I liked. Yeah. And it didn't take away too much. Like, I thought it was going to be out on the beach. I thought it was going to be outside. I know they have the the octagon set up there, which maybe we'll see. I kind of hope not. No, yeah, I don't want to see that.
1: I mean maybe a prelim could be out there. I don't want to see like a main fight out there because the humidity would get sloppy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that would get just downright crazy out S- there. Sweaty belly. Yo, the Roy Nelson chokes out there. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be that could be very tough to watch. But quickly though, this weekend there is another UFC fight card going on. Uh Saturday, August first. Like I said, they're gonna be back in Vegas. Derek Brunson is taking on Edmund Shabazian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shabazian is a middleweight contender, number nine ranked. Uh, so, like I said, middleweight division is making some noise. What's very notable about this, from when I saw the fight package, is Shabazian is trained by Ronda Rousey's camp. Uh huh. So
2: and that's yeah. not the only thing jumping out about him. Break it down. Uh, he has an 11 and 0 record with nine uh, professional record, nine knockouts, one submission, one decision. His fight record reads as follows: knockout, 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 knockout. Knockout, split decision, knockout, submission, knockout. Uh yeah.
0: So good luck. So coach, any feelings on this fight? I mean, I'm
1: just excited for another UFC card. Uh I mean, I, I obviously these guys are gonna bang, so it's gonna be exciting. Um, so I will be watching.
2: I kind of want to dig up because I'm looking at his record, I kinda wanna dig up footage of one of his fights. Uh, he fought a gentleman by the name of Anthony Thomas at Gladiator Challenge Fight Club in October of 2017. Knocked him out with punches 14 seconds into the first round.
0: I would believe it. I mean Oh my lord I want to find this. The one thing they've shown you can you can look and I'll just kind of do some talking here. Uh Shabazzian, from what they showed definitely looked like he can throw some hands, which was kind of weird seeing Ronda's camp with him because I, I know infamously when Ronda was fighting Holly Holm back yeah. in back in the heyday, they were very much encouraging, it, at least the perception is reality, for Ronda to strike with Holly, and that is mistake number one. So hopefully they've learned a little bit from this. I would imagine so. Like I said, this, this guy has got a lot of hype behind him. Is he going to be the next Sage Northcutt, or is he going to be the next Chimaev? We don't know. I mean, the possibilities here are kind of up in the air. Brunson is no slouch in his own right, though. Uh, like I say, number eight ranked middleweight in the UFC. So it's going to be definitely a good main event. Um, I, but I got to say, I got to like Shabazian. I, I just I can't go against him right now. Uh, I think it's going to be a second-round stoppage either way between him or Brunson. Mm-hmm. But I think Brunson's going to come in there with a little, a little something to prove because mm-hmm. with all the hype that's behind uh, Shabazian, it's going to be something he's got to use as motivation. Because I think if he sits there and is just kind of letting it happen, it's going to be a long night for him. I mean, that's just my opinion about that. Other fights on that card, though, Joanne Calderwood is actually not waiting for the flyweight title shot. Hmm. Is taking on Jennifer Maya. Um, that one is kind of a risky fight for Calderwood. I, I give her credit. She's not waiting around for a fight. But at the same time, it's you, you know you, you risk that chance of losing your shot. That's what Tony Ferguson did, <laughs> taking the shot against Gaethje, and, and look what happened there. So anything really can happen in these situations. If she wins, well, it's another feather in her cap, and she's taking out another top-ranked contender. Mm-hmm. she loses, well, there goes your title shot. you got to rework for it. Calderwood, though, I do like in this fight, though. I really do. I think that her striking has just looked phenomenal at flyweight. So I expect a lot of really good things happening there. So it's going to be a fun night to get back to the Apex like I say. Anytime the Apex, you can't take anything away from with Fight Island.
1: No. No. I, I the UFC's done a great job. Like mm-hmm. honestly, because the first initial when they were in the big stadium still running shows, it was dreadful to watch. It yeah. was just difficult. But now that they've gone to the smaller venues, you know, mm-hmm. The ability to not hear the crowd, I don't think, takes away from the UFC no. as much as like wrestling. Yeah, where you know they need that interactive fan base because I enjoy being able to hear the the corner guys. Mm-hmm. So I think that adds a dimension yeah. that we didn't have before.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I fully agree with you. Pad, you seen that fight?
2: Uh, no, haven't been able to find the fight, so there unfortunately may not be footage of it. But, hey, if you know of sud footage that it exists, uh, feel free to send it to us.
0: Yeah, send us on Twitter, at Hour Because I know. really
2: want to see that, because 14-second knockout with punches, woof.
0: Anything is possible in that. So anything is, gonna be a, is
2: possible. It's going
0: to be a fun fight. And speaking of anything that's possible, we did get confirmation Habib is going to be fighting Justin Gaethje on Saturday, October 24th. That's not the anything is possible part. Uh-huh. I mean, granted, I'm excited for this fight. It's the comments that were made by Dana White after, mm-hmm. and Dana has said that Habib and his late father had already planned out that he was going to retire thirty and zero if he got to that level, and Dana has agreed that if he gets to uh, gets through Gaethje, he can pick his final opponent, or he would have no issue with his final opponent. And the rumor going around, it is one George Rush St. Pierre. No, thanks.
2: And we have a reaction from said George Rush St. Pierre. Oh, break it down. So Ariel Holani, a uh, noted uh, writer for ESPN, uh, tweeted out, uh, quote, I asked George St. Pierre earlier today what he thought of Dana White now being open to Habib Nurmagomedov uh, fighting Ooh, him in the future. Well done, Pat. Here's what he had to say. Quote, damn, just when I thought I'd have peace of mind. I look forward to watching Habib and Gaethje fight in October. Best of luck to them. Close quote.
0: Your thoughts, Coach? Ambiguous.
2: Uh huh. Oh, I, so, I I
1: don't know. I, listen, I don't want to see a how. I mean, how old is GSP at I this point? I will look point? It up. I mean, it's just I don't need to see forty-year-old guys coming out of retirement to fighting dudes like Habib. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just I don't have any interest in it. I would much rather see him fight. I don't know, move up a damn class and fight somebody in that division or have a catchweight fight with somebody else, you know, at a different weight. I mean, I just I don't want to see you fight somebody who's been past
2: his prime for the last five years. George, as of this recording, uh, his birthday is in May. Uh, he is 39 years old. Yeah.
0: So, Pad, let me ask you this. If you were matchmaking for the UFC in Habib, if he gets past Justin Gaethje, which, I mean, let's not write off Gaethje just yet. Who would you match him up with?
2: Connor. I realize he beat him? I realize, you know, it was pretty decisive, but I'd still like to see that one more time. Um I on this on the surface, I don't want to see him fight GSP because why? You're you're GSP, you're almost 40 years old. You're you're a two-time champ. You were, you know, divi- whatever division champ for like 11 12 years, whatever it was. It Your was, last fight did not look very good. You know, mm-hmm. what do you have left to prove? The only reason I would see him coming and agreeing to do this is for the quick and easy monster. It'd be a monster paycheck. Oh, it'd be huge. Because Habib, household name. GSP, household name. You're going to get a lot of eyes for people who might not normally buy a pay-per-view to buy that pay-per-view.
0: All right, so let me break down my thoughts on this. One, he better focus on Justin Gaethje because I like Gaethje in that fight against Habib a lot. Like a real lot. If he gets through Gaethje, here's why he should not fight GSP. One, if the fans are going to get hyped up for this, this is going to be the most impressive grappling match you've ever seen. It's going to be 25 minutes of wrestling, which if you like it, great. But if you're expecting to see some crazy knockouts or submissions. Which is what people are going to expect. You're not going to see it in this one. GSP will get up for this one, though. I will say I will never doubt the man's work ethic, and if he wants to get up and, and make a big payday with this one, it will happen. It will be one of the biggest fights in MMA history. But I'm already telling you right now, temper your expectations. It will be literally a grappling match.
1: Oh, yeah. I just His last performance was a lay and pray. Yeah. That's GSP, I mean, though. And, yeah, I know it's GSP, but, I mean, this was bad lay and pray. This
2: was snoozefest lay and right. pray.
0: And you're going to have that against beep
2: too, sure. because that's all they're going to do. Which- I'll say to those mild fans, and you know, every once in a while, fans don't if if if, and I'm saying this with a very large capital letters. If this fight happens. Don't go in expecting rock'em sock'em robots. No, that's not going to happen.
0: No, this is going to be th- for the purists that you, really like you to want, see that. If you want to see that, buy the video game. Yeah, it's not going to be something for highlights. It's going to be a lot of transitions, a lot of sub- submission attempts.
2: It's going to be the footage that is shown in like every MMA training facility for like the next fifty years for guys learning how to be a wrestler.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a clinic tape. That's all it's going to be. So that being said, I don't want to see that fight. Plus, GSP is almost forty, and yeah. and what's what fi- you got left? What, no, I, seriously,
1: yeah. Like, come on!
0: Yeah, he's he said he was happy with retirement, so let him be happy. I mean, it would be an honor for him, and I I know there's a lot of respect between both fighters to do sure. it. Sure, I just don't see it at this stage. I just don't. As for Connor, I don't think you do that fight either. I really think that that is a done trilogy, or not even a trilogy. It was it's one a, fight. It's a one and done. I think that Connor needs to do the Nate Diaz fight for a trilogy. Oh, yeah, he does. because I think that he will struggle again against Habib's wrestling and. I just think it will go the same way it did the first time. Dare you? Oh, I say it. I say it, and it's a repeat. Dare you? He will get ran through.
1: Not with this new shoulder move. <laughs> bam! Bam!
0: It. Is this like the Judas effect that Chris Jericho? That's that right, does? It's, it's, it's a secret move. I uh, mean,
1: now when a beef tries to tie him up and gets you know a little dirty boxing,
0: bam! That shoulder's coming right to your jaw. I still think I still think it, it ends in, in four rounds if mm-hmm. if, if, if a lets it Oh well, well, four well, rounds.
2: Well, listen, some of us enjoyed watching Connor get his ass run through. Hey this guy Oh hey
0: Well,
1: you know what? <laughs> he didn't get his ass ran through last time, so-hmm
0: I think the fight you make, and I know this will sound absolutely crazy considering what happened to him in his last fight, you make the Tony Ferguson fight. No oh my God. you make the legend fight. He
2: did it to himself. You need, the only, we've discussed this, the only way you make that fight happen is if Habib is going to fight somebody else, they get hurt, and then you plug Tony in.
0: Well, I'm just saying that's the fight everybody's been waiting on. there will be the question unanswered for years.
2: I mean, that, but that's Tony's fault. Oh, I know it well, is. Well, it's, it's both parties' fault.
1: Well, sure, but I mean, this latest one's Tony's fault because yeah. he was supposed to beat Gaethje. Yeah. And did not
2: No, Listen, one of them was they were also supposed to fight each other, and the one blew his knee out, tripping on a cord.
0: Oh, the fight's cursed. Yeah. But it's always one that fans will always say, what if? So I think if you're going to choose somebody, that could be an option too. Or maybe, just maybe, Habib goes up and challenges Usman. Sure. That'd be good. I could see that.
2: That'll put butts in the
0: seats. Because if he goes out as a champ champ.
1: what So... Uz, they're 170
0: yep 170 so and Usman's 185 no no they're both one no uh Khabib is 155 Five. he go up to 170 oh fight.
1: come on just make that happen let's do yeah. that see
0: that fight makes that, a li- let's do that because I think with Usman's wrestling style right it's very similar to GSP's and I think Usman at this stage is a better fighter than GSP oh, he's got fucking way heavier hands right I think that that's more of a challenge and yeah. I think that if you really want to do a super fight at this stage, it makes sense. The GSP one, I get for the name. I I understand. Right, that. and I think
1: I think there's probably a, uh, B has a, you know the respect for the career that GSP has oh, yeah, given tremendous. the similar styles. Yeah, that they had. So I mean, maybe that in some sort of like, I don't know, what you would want to call it scrimmage or some sort of like if you want to do an exhibition for exhibition it, sure. there's a good word but, for it
0: but I, like i say the the gsp thing yeah it's big money which i know the ufc will probably go with but then again gsp is like i say on that side of 40 he hasn't fought in many years granted i wouldn't doubt him getting in shape he'll probably look amazing coming out sure i don't doubt his work he ethic. probably
1: looks amazing right now
0: yeah but he'll come in there, and but at that stage, are are you a step slower? Can you hang at that level? And do you want your legacy tarnished? Well, not to mention, I mean,
1: Habib's hands are a lot better than they were, you know, three four years ago yeah. when maybe this fight would have worked.
0: Yeah, and George George can throw hands too, but the thing is, yeah. he's up against Father Time. Right. That's mm-hmm. why I say let him go out very quietly, and that's only if Gaethje doesn't do the job, which I'm telling you right now. I You're like, just
1: trying to hype this fight up, Kevin. We already know that Habib's going to win. I Stop. Mean, you could say whatever you want. We're going to find right.
0: out that open in, in October 24th since it's locked and loaded. But he's got to. Well, he I'll he tell, tell you one guy person. who's ruined for Gaethje. This guy. Oh yeah. Well, I like I say, Gaethje. I think is getting – You know, hearing this, he's just going to be more motivated. And the fact that he's working with Usman and working on those hands. Good. Listen to me, Gaethje. You've got no chance. None. Tape record
1: this and put it in your headphones when you're working out, because you've got no chance in hell. It'll be a fun Habib day. in the first round in ten seconds. Submission.
0: Oh wow. Cause you a
1: bitch. Oh wow. 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 I mean I'm just trying to motivate him. I, I... Wow.
0: <laughs> you are wiling out today. Hey, I'm
1: just trying to I'm just trying to motivate the man. All right. At Coach Duffy 1 on At Coach Duffy, 11, Listen, a yeah, at Coach Duffy Obviously, just kidding. Mr. Gaethje, I have utmost respect for you. I'm just trying to be the voice that, you know, when you win, you can say I was motivated by some schmo on a podcast who called me a bitch. And then that would be my crowning moment, that I was the reason why you beat Khabib. At
0: Stuffy 11 on Twitter. And we'll definitely debate this with you if you're listening. But we gave you a lot to discuss here on the UFC section of the ODPH this week. What is your thoughts about Fight Island? What is your thoughts about Whitaker versus Till? What's your thoughts about Habib getting to pick his last opponent? Possibly Dana White will make the GSP fight happen. And what do you think about Coach Duffy's comments? <laughs> we want to have that interaction. Hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Wait, it. It's a Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have got some local minute news to talk about. Mm -hmm. What? Yes. It was breaking that Excite Wrestling, shout out to Johnny Moose and Team Excite, are going to be doing drive-up wrestling. Okay. So the card is scheduled for August 22nd. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're going to be setting up the ring outside of their local venue at the Oakdale Mall here locally in the 607. Very interesting.
1: Hmm. If you've ever been there before, the dynamics of that parking lot, it will be very interesting to see how they set it up exactly. Because yeah. there's a ways that they can get some pretty good views yes. yeah,
0: depending on where they put the ring in the yeah. parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if memory is serving me right, they are the only... F- independent wrestling league that is allowed to do this in New York. They'll state. be the
2: first show in the state. That is according to Johnny Moose himself.
0: Yes. So it's kind of a big deal if you're a fan of pro wrestling and we know you are because we get tweeted a lot at OD Parlay Hour about it. So if you are able to watch it because I believe they're going to be doing it on live stream as well uh it's going to be something to definitely check out i know they're live streaming uh last month or the last last live show that they had (laughs) yeah
2: last month that was (laughs) so (laughs) like last year time it blends together
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah, so it blends together but the last show they had at the x before covid shut everything down they're going to be live streaming this weekend which is a tremendous event john Carr with the moment of the night oh yes I'm not going to spoil it. Watch the show. No, you'll definitely have to watch that. And like we said, Saturday, August 22nd, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, The deal is all vehicle passes first come first serve. uh, Good up to five people of any age. Anything beyond five people are going to charge $15 per person. So everything that you need to know going on with this show, head on over to ExciteWrestling.com or just head over to the ODPH directory. You can go right to the Excite link that we have inside there. On Friends of the Show, and it'll take you to all the information you need to go buy a ticket, go get set up for the stream, and go enjoy some local pro wrestling coming back. But
1: shout out, I mean, Moose has worked his tail off to get this event off the ground. Yeah, oh yeah. So shout out to him for putting in the legwork here to get this done. I mean, that's not, yeah, just not giving up. I mean, obviously, New York State, one of the most difficult states to work with from. A commission to the rules that have been in place with the coronavirus. So his his tremendous hard work and team, you know, that's awesome.
2: Well, and, and also shout out to you know the folks that have been helping him out at the sure. mall and at the at the local government level because it's not a one man job. Absolutely no, no this, is,
0: this has been building for a while, and we just got official confirmation what we can say about this. So we're just super happy to see Excite get back in business and be able to give us a show. And it's going to be a new experience for us all. Yeah, we'll yeah. be we'll be down there, and like I said, bell time four p.m. The gates, wherever they're setting up, are going to open <laughs> up at two thirty. They will open the door, <laughs> the the bridge. Well, I'm just wondering if they're going to have it. Uh, well, I don't know the the setup but if they're going to have it blocked off, and they're just going to be
2: allowing like certain traffic to come through. I got yeah, I, I got, got a, I got an idea where they're going to do it of uh, the one end where Sears used to be because that whole area is fenced off right now it could ah,
0: be it could okay.
1: be we will I was thinking more like where the bottom of the parking lot is oh
2: that could be
0: it could be but wherever the setup is going to be we'll see if maybe if moose will let us know ahead of time we can post some live pictures on the instagram page so yeah can like see.
1: uh moose if you if you're hearing this do a little demo of what you're thinking the setup is going to be I'm kind of I'm curious
0: he does listen to the show he's a subscriber so johnny uh if you want to come on the show and talk a little bit more in person wink wink nudge nudge hey you know how to get a hold of us so definitely make some plans but like i say if you are not in the 607 area and you want to see what's going on excite for more information it's time to round those bases and take the show home pad what you got
2: got a little more wrestling news all this one uh, to quote uh, the recording artist rihanna is a work 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 <laughs> like what i did there uh, uh, well, done. Right. Yeah. well done well uh, done uh, adam cole Bebe. Bay, bay. Bay, bay. Bay, bay Was on the Pat McAfee show, God, what was it, Monday, Tuesday, whenever the hell it was. Early this week. Early this week. Uh, doing an interview and got incensed. It's, it's, I haven't had a chance to watch a clip. I've just read what happened. Got incensed and pissed off at, at Pat McAfee, uh, you know, said he gave up time to be with his family to come down here and be interviewed by him. How dare he say the things he did? That he only joined. I think he believe. I believe he said he only joined Undisputed Era to become stronger for some reason. How dare he? And he stormed off. And all the all the wrestling fans watching this are going, "Oh, it's a work." Like, tirade uh, uh, yeah he was the high rate that's adam cole in character mm-hmm. uh, all of bay the, bay. all of the people watching the show who are not wrestling fans are oh my god adam cole's pissed at pat mcafee adam cole's a jerk i mean let's not forget adam uh, pat mcafee when he was on filled in for smackdown when half the roster couldn't get out of saudi arabia did say live on air when adam cole came out uh about they've feuded a couple times about him where uh, about him and his jorts yeah you know so they've got a long-running history if you're familiar with nxt and, and what's going on there you know and then uh triple h came on the show a couple days ago about a day or so later tried to smooth things over oh hey listen if you're in the area want to come on nxt we'll have you on we'll promote you like we always do We're we'd love to have you on You know, totally working the non-wrestling fans who are watching this who don't know Pat McAfee works for WWE and NXT. K-fame, brother. Uh, Yeah. yeah. k fay brother. It's all good fun if you're a wrestling fan, and it's definitely something to check out because I'd say it's Adam Cole in his absolute best.
0: Yeah, it reminds me the first time I saw it. I talked about this on the wrestling show with Rich from 3FM. If you remember the Jim Rome, Jim Evert segment. <laughs> the infamous. Yes. Infamous segment. This was a nice. Talked about for years. This was a l- nice homage, in my opinion, to that segment. But mm. this will have Hopefully. a payoff. This is going to have a payoff in one way or another. Either McAfee's going to try wrestling, or uh, my guess is he's going to try managing.
2: I Well, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, having followed him on Instagram for a couple of weeks, about a month or so, dude does a lot of Stairmaster. Like, that is, that is that that is like, the only workout regimen he posts that he does at, like, varying levels. Uh, I believe the other couple days it's been, like, over 150 uh, flights of stairs or whatever, however you measure <laughs> it. but he, A lot of stairs. He does a lot of Stairmaster.
1: Hey, I mean, I, I won't put it past him. He's a physical-ass, he was That's a tough-ass kicker. That's true. You know, and wasn't afraid to get in the mix. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he
2: tries to tangle it up. Can you imagine uh, if he brings in, oh, shit, I'm blanking on the name. Well, uh, he used to kick for the patriots when he joined the colts oh vinitary hey, can you imagine if he comes with can you, can you imagine if he's like listen i need some help let's make this handicap match two on one and he comes with vinitary
0: i'm just waiting for the peyton manning vignette oh my god
2: peyton he manning's the ringside manager kicker
0: yep you're, you're you'll see something like that happen. yeah but for overall wrestling is setting up SummerSlam. they're yeah. talking yeah, about, yeah they're already yeah yep they're already talking about putting it on a boat <laughs>
2: I, I did <laughs> i i did read an interesting theory or possibility that we may be seeing uh, given the fact that all the belts Oscar or not Oscar uh, Bailey and Sasha have. We may be seeing the resolution to the Stone Cold Triple H storyline that got mm. dead. Because oh. there's that story. I didn't not see. I didn't know about this because I didn't watch wrestling back then. But there was a point in time where Triple H and uh, Stone Cold had the tag belts, and then Stone two Cold, man power trip. And yep. then the, and then Stone Cold had the World Heavyweight Championship, and then Triple H had the Intercontinental Championship. But you never got to see the finality finality no, of that no. storyline because Triple H blew his uh, what was it his pack? He blew his quad, he blew quad. out was quad. So, Damn quad so injuries. They may, there's a lot of theories and a lot of people thinking, oh, maybe we're seeing that storyline here with Bailey and Sasha. We, I, may, we may see how it I plays like out. That. I like that uh, idea. I hope that is true because that's fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's the the, the thing boat
1: works. thing is nuts to me when I read that because <laughs> I kept thinking back to – so when Jericho did the cruise, they filmed an episode of ROH yeah. that was broadcasted. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, I don't want to slight you know Jericho in, in the cruise at all because, I mean, I'm sure it was – you know, the best that they could do given the fact that their production crew is limited versus yeah. what something like
0: WWE can do. But
1: sure. it was tough to watch it from was, a filming and production standpoint. So,
0: Well, they've done this with ROH, and they did this with All Elite Wrestling, too. They filmed the Jericho Cruise on there. Right. It's definitely tough production-wise. Yeah. I just laughed that they're going to out Jericho Cruise, the Jericho Cruise, and do a pay-per-view <laughs> on there. Granted, it's no fans, and it's a different whatever. But just the fact they're going to try one-upping them.
1: Well, I just worry about, like, I mean, just a logistical nightmare that is trying to do this on a cruise. Because, I mean, you got to think they're power sources. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you got a electric and cords and all this stuff. So, I mean, if anybody can pull it off,
0: oh, I'm sure they... it's
1: going to be WWE because they have the ability to. It's just,
0: I mean, it will be tough. It's going to be tough, but if they're going to do it, they will come up with some really crazy thing. I it's I don't know if it's going to get shot all cinematic. I hope not. Yeah, I, I like oh, somebody's it. going off the boat. Oh, yeah. Jeff Hardy. <laughs> Jeff Hardy will swanton off the top of the boat, and it's going to be like one of the most insane things you ever. It'll be mm-hmm. all digitized, but yeah, either way, it'll just be f-
2: it'll be a larger version of the Lake of Reincarnation. Oh my God!
0: Like yeah, I, like I'm just trying to wrap my head around when that rumor broke because obviously you can't do it up in Boston this year, right? So. That's the next going rumor that they're going to get on a cruise ship or boat and do the I mean, matches.
1: Well, why, why not? I think I mean if they do it, that's the I mean, honestly, that probably should have been from Jump Street their idea. Yeah. I mean, think about from the have quarantine some, standpoint.
2: Have, have some real fun with it. Work a deal with Disney and do it on one of the Disney cruise lines. Well, or, you real know, shot. Can you can you imagine can you imagine having a match with like, I don't know, Cesaro and Nakamura versus let's just say the, the Usos or something and all of a sudden like Goofy and Donald Duck come running through?
0: Uh, it'd be it'd be wild. I mean, the, the only time I can remember they've done something on a ship was the Lex Luger slamming Yokozuna on the battleship. Yeah, um, that
1: was yeah, but that was a
0: docked yeah. ship. So I imagine I don't think the I don't think the ship will be moving. That's the only thing I don't. Yeah. I imagine it's going to be docked. But wait to see on that because otherwise, like I said, it was a really slow wrestling news week. Yeah. So the Adam Cole thing though is very interesting because I know we were getting hit on work, social media work, about work, that work so, work and definitely sounds that. But, Coach, we alluded to at the beginning of the show, if we're going to talk lacrosse, we have to hand it to the guru.
1: Get your shot glasses out because it's lacrosse time. Um, So uh, the MLL wrapped up its season, as I talked about before. Uh, They did an abbreviated schedule as well. They uh, ran a week long in Annapolis, which had some tremendous tough weather. I mean, they were talking temperatures upwards of on the field at 115. Cleats were melting. Um, due to the heat and the you know running, Jesus. Um, so tremend- But all in all, though, I mean the production was what it was. Um, unfortunately, though, it was cut a little bit short due to players uh, uh, who were in the semifinal game going out and coming back and getting tested and positive for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So the Chesapeake Bayhawks and the Philadelphia Barrage. Had to sit out their uh, semifinal game due to the players testing positive. Um, and the final was then pushed from the other semifinal of Boston versus Denver, Denver being the number one seed and heavy favorite, I would assume, uh, going into the final, which was pushed to Sunday, which Boston uh, came with a. And Boston actually had three players sit out due to, you know, concern over safety. Ends up pulling up the huge upset and beat the Denver Outlaws 13-8 wow. in, a, in a big upset. So, uh, you know, a little unfortunate thing with, uh, you know, I-, I thought Chesapeake was going to come in and win. Lyle Thompson, arguably one of the best players in the world, um, you know, hoping that they were going to be able to to pull that off. But, you know, unfortunately not so much. Um Then the PLL kicked off on Saturday. That is what had my attention during the UFC fights Mm -hmm. with some great action. Last night, arguably, uh, due to a weather delay, they had uh, only played one game, which was the Atlas versus the Archers. Um, that game ended in an 11-10 victory for the Archers, and arguably one of the best professional lacrosse games ever played, hmm. which drew over 300,000 plus fans cool. on the Nielsen ratings. For you demo gods out there, that is a tremendous rating for lacrosse, given the fact that it was broadcasted at 9:45 Eastern time, um, you know, seven or whatever, six o'clock out west. So good for lacrosse, great. A uh, little bit of a sad thing to end on. The World Games announced that they would not recognize the uh, Iroquois Nation as a team going into the World Games for this coming year. Um, so, if you do, uh, you know, if you are supportive of lacrosse, there are um, some ventures out there right now that are trying to help support the Iroquois Nation as far as getting into the World Games to be able to be able to play their sport. In the Olympics, uh, so go check that out. I've retweeted a couple things. Uh, support the braid is one of the things that have been on Twitter for a hashtag. So, um, you know, if you do have time to check it out, you know, it's uh, it's their game that we play that they should absolutely, you know, as a sovereign nation, be allowed to play uh, in the in lacrosse, especially if it's going to be in the Olympics. Um, so it's it's just the right thing to do. So if you can find that and want to support. Uh, the links are on my Twitter account. Definitely something to check out. Lacrosse is having a good time to shine right yeah, now. I mean, there's games all week for the PLL. Check your local listings. NBCN, I mean, obviously, like we talked about before, they're broadcasting a lot of the games on uh, during the Olympic times. Mm-hmm. So if you have nothing to do, I, there's two games on tonight. There's one right now at 7 o'clock, another one at 9.30. That's the uh, usual faceoff times. Uh, with more games on NBC, you know, being broadcasted nationally so it's tremendous you know as a kid growing up playing lacrosse it's awesome to see uh you
0: know getting the national recognition that it deserves absolutely so definitely something worth checking out coach is always live tweeting about it so if you want to hit him up for more information about lacrosse (laughs) when i can stay up that late for some of these games but when he wakes up he will definitely (laughs) recap with you
1: oh man that game last night i mean as much as i wanted to watch that i'm a big atlas fan and as much as i wanted to stay up to watch that game 9.45,
0: 9:45 is just. I made it to halftime,
1: and yeah. I had to go to bed.
0: <laughs> it was tough. I, I tried checking out a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. It
1: was a great game. I mean, uh, Grant Amit the number one pick in the draft, arguably one of the best players in the world right now. Uh, Penn State, Big Ten records all across the board. Had a hell of a game. Brian Costabile for Nordame uh, player number two draft. So it was number one versus number two. Had a hell of a game too, with three points. It was a great game, and they got more action tonight. I mean, they have the world's best players, so it's great to watch. You know, if you never checked out the sport and you want to watch a
0: game, you know, these are the games to watch because they have the best players in the world. Absolutely. So definitely keep that on your radar to check out. So I'm going to close out talking the return of the NHL. Hey. Uh So the Stanley Cup road is officially kicked off this week. It's going to be a little different than years past. Obviously, everything going on with COVID. (laughs)
1: Oh, you don't say. (laughs) But, hey,
0: we just got to clarify. So the games are going to be held up in Toronto and Edmonton, respectively, and it's going to be a little different with the playoff series. A lot more teams were invited to come dance for the Cup. It's going to be the round-robin series for the top four teams in each conference. So in the east, it's Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philly. Going to do a round-robin for seating Mm -hmm. for the tournament. In the west, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas. And the qualifying rounds for the other teams involved are going to be kicking off as well this Saturday, as we talk August first. And to break down the schedule, Saturday August first, your number eleven Easterns uh, representatives, the New York Rangers. Hey, let's go! The number six seeded Carolina Hurricanes. Boo! Yes, coach is right. Number twelve in the West, Chicago is taking on number five Edmonton, three p.m. The Rangers are playing at noon. All Eastern Standard Time. Florida, the number ten seed in the East, is taking on the New York Islanders at four PM. Montreal, the number twelve seed in the East, is taking on Pittsburgh at eight PM. The number who both them exactly. And number nine, Winnipeg in the West, is taking on number eight, Calgary, at ten thirty in the final game of the day.
2: That's so late. Yeah, so (laughs) uh, I saw this on Twitter today. Shout out to the Flyers who purchased a billboard on the way to Scotia Bank Arena. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the billboard reads, and I quote: "Every shot you take, every save you make, I'll be watching you." And it is a f- photo of gritty that's like, awesome peeking over a ridger like I a, hate the the flyers, but that's like that. great. That's funny. That's a so every team who drives down that road to the Scotia because it's on the way to the Scotia Bank Arena, every team is going to see this. So I love the way
1: the NHL did this. By the way, mm-hmm. we didn't really get a chance to talk about this, but I I love this because it, it. I mean, pl- mini playoff series than into the playoff series, yeah. you know, like it's excitement. You know, there's nothing better than playoff hockey. You know, the tradition, the 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 passion that the players play with. So I mean, just think about having four months off and then going right into a mini playoff series. These guys are going to be going a hundred and ten percent, a hundred and ten percent of the time.
0: Oh yeah, just because even looking at the schedule. Too. I mean, we read over Saturday's game, Sunday is number 11 in the West, Arizona versus Nashville, number 6 in the West, 2 p.m. Flyers are playing the, um, Boston, so the, you're getting the first of the round, Robins, at uh, 3 p.m. St. Louis is taking on Colorado at 6.30. Columbus and Toronto, 9 and east, 8 in the East, they're taking on at 8 o'clock. And Minnesota and Vancouver, 10 and 7 in the West at 10.30. So they are literally kicking off every day there's going to be hockey going from the 1st to the ninth. Yeah, I mean, least.
1: that's the way that you got to do it right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So to be a hockey fan right now, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I know we don't talk a lot on here because literally it would just be Rangers talk. Sure. I mean, that's all I would want to talk about too. Yeah, I, I don't like delving into too much because I'm not a Philly fan. I'm not a Bruins fan. I'm definitely not a Pittsburgh fan. I specifically would like to talk 94 Rangers, but we can talk nowadays Rangers too. If we ever do Patreon. We'll just do the '94 season.
1: I, I mean, we should have done. That's what we should have done during COVID. We should have just recap
0: the '94 season. Yeah, I mean, who, like I said, maybe we'll save for Patreon. I know we have people ask us lately about it, so we'll have to see. But going into the playoffs, gentlemen, is there any team that we think is going to really stand out? Anybody? The Rangers, Pat Rangers. See, that's why we don't that's talk about the, that. <laughs> there's
1: nothing, nobody else that I want you. I mean, I got a buddy who's a Flyer fan who's really hyped that, you know, they were obviously a top seed. So he's really excited for the potential that they have. But, I mean, just a young, scrappy team like the Rangers who were getting hot towards – you know, that time in March, right before everything broke, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you got to hope that they carry momentum moving
0: forward. Yeah, definitely. This was supposed to be the rebuilding year, and then they were just on the cusp of getting the AC. They, right,
1: they were fighting. They were yeah. scrapping right along, yeah. and they were getting hot.
0: I mean, the bread man was looking good. Yeah. And we just re-upped for a Kreider or two. So they have the pieces in place, and to get Henrique a cup on the way out. All right, <laughs> <I mean, laughs> let's not get crazy. Hey, I, I'm saying this. He has been very gracious about training the new goalies to take his place. Sure. And Igor is back from his car accident that he had at the beginning of the year, Let's too. Let's go. So not saying it's not possible for a Cinderella run, but if I have to make an early prediction, who's bringing home <laughs> the cup? <laughs> you, now, we, mind
1: you, we only like the Rangers on this show. Yes, we do. Who are you going to pick?
0: If I can't pick the Rangers. Oh, no, no,
1: go ahead. Pick the Rangers. Uh, I'm not going to
0: tell. Who am I to tell you no? This is your show. This is very true. Uh, I do like Tampa Bay rangers south the rangers south rangers south to, yeah to win it okay and coming out of the west <laughs> and no coming out of the west i like colorado okay all right so i think that if it's not gonna be rangers colorado it's gonna be tampa bay colorado uh because it'll be like a game seven with tampa bay and the rangers, rangers
1: sweep right just everything oh uh, they sweep Four straight. they sweep until they get to tampa bay
0: <laughs> okay tampa Bay will slow them up a little bit rangers light yes yeah but like I say, it's Ranger. It's you know Callahan could get a trophy. I'm no, wait, no, he's he's not there anymore. No, think. he's not there anymore. Either way, that's my early prediction for that. But it's gonna be fun to watch. I'm excited to see some hockey. I'll definitely be trying to live tweet best I can. But usually I get too wound up during a Rangers game, and I just usually really wind up throwing my phone somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean as long as they're playing before nine thirty, I can stay awake. I'll watch. Well,
0: they're kicking off the Saturday lineup. Except so.
1: I'm a Ranger jinx, so I probably won't watch. Ken, I shit you not, dude? I tune on a Ranger game and the other team scores a goal. A perfect example, watch a puck drop for a Winnipeg game, right? Mm -hmm. Opening seconds, 10 seconds in, Winnipeg scores a goal. Aaron comes in the room. Sean, what are you doing? I was, oh, I'm watching the Rangers. Why? All right, there's nothing else on. I wanted to watch a little hockey. She saw the score 1-0. Turn it
3: off.
0: They ended up winning 3-2. Well, I can't watch the Rangers. I can't do it. It's a shame. Well, get, you know what? Then get your playoff watching out this week on Wednesday, July 29th, when they're taking on the Islanders on an exhibition which game. Which
1: leads into a PLL game in case you want a little transition there. You know, segue back. Um, but, yeah, no, I'll watch the exhibition because those
0: don't matter. Yeah, get out of your system yep. now. Don't, don't even jinx the team. I just watch the 94 games because I can't affect those. Fair enough. Not <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Either way, it's great to see hockey back. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. Who is your prediction to bring home the Stanley Cup? Even if it's and not if th- it's not the Rangers,
1: don't tweet us. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, we don't want to hear that. Because we that don't want to hear it. No. It's You're wrong. In the blue shirts we trust. You're wrong. No quit in New York. That's, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I forgot. That's the new slogan this okay. season. Okay, it's no quit in New oh, York. Oh yeah,
1: I saw the Knicks tweet that for them, them too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like the new thing. So. Except,
0: I mean, there is a quit if you're the Knicks because they weren't even invited. But we, I was surprised you didn't mention for uh, closing Tom Thibodeau. Oh my God, we didn't even talk about that. I thought you were bringing up. Her Shit, sh- we got some time. T- fucking t- again,
1: Tom Thibodeau is your new coach.
0: It's a huge move.
1: Gro- I, I call him, uh, what's the guy from Minions?
2: Groot? Groot? Uh, Groot? I, I, ground, I think.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, he looks just like the guy from Minions. It's nuts. Uh, I mean, I, I was more towards Kenny Atkins, mm-hmm. and then Jason Kidd were kind of my one-two because I liked the dev- player development that Kenny Atkins can do, also the team building that he can do. Obviously, the wins losses aren't there, but you know he took a bad net team last year with D'Angelo Russell and you know spare parts and brought them to the seventh or, sixth, or the sixth seed last year. Uh, turned Spencer Dinwiddie into an all star, so you know he would have been great for an RJ Barrett to develop. Um, Jason Kidd obviously would have led to the rumors of Giannis coming in 2022, mm-hmm. so we could have hopped on that train again and had that whole relive that whole story. Josh would have made fun of us because we yep. would have said Giannis is coming and then not, so that would have been yep. great. Um, but would my was my third option. Obviously, should have been a Knicks coach years, years ago, ago, but you know things didn't work out. Had a bad run in Minnesota, but that was a a, a, a young team that was not ready for a uh, that style of head coaching. I think he obviously had hopefully matured a little bit and. and Realized and evolved, you know, changed and evolved a little bit like Tom Coughlin did Mm -hmm. with the Giants as he went back into coaching after his stint in Jacksonville to learn the younger player to connect with them. So I think he'll be great for RJ's development. Defensively, they're going to be stout. Yeah. You know, that's something that you won't have to worry about. Um, There's talks that. You know, the reason why uh, Tom Thibodeau was picked the head coach was because the Knicks wanted specifically for him to bring back Mike Nolan, uh, or Mike Malone, I'm sorry, uh, as an assistant coach who was the interim head coach, who, again, you know, a guy who's tagged as being great at player development, um, and Mike Woodson. Mm-hmm. So potentially Mike Woodson will come back, who had a great run here as a Knicks head coach, um, you know, during some of the mellow years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm I'm excited. As I always am, because I'm, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Repeating yourself over and over again, mm-hmm. thinking for a different outcome. So yeah. I, Tom Thibodeau is going to save the Knicks. Something, you know, we're going to sign an All Star, and things are going to turn around. I mean, Zach Levine's rumored to be in the mix. So I, Tevin Booker is also rumored to be in the mix. So I don't know.
0: I, I'm just going to say this. I thought the signing was a, a big move. Uh, with everything that um, our new president is doing, yeah, it has been good so Leon far. Leon Rose, yep. Leon Rose has done a great job thus far. I know it's early, so I'm not counting my trophies before I hang them in the banners. Sure,
1: they've made a lot of smaller moves too that people haven't really been talking about. Besides, like guys in the NBA, like mm-hmm. in the know, like they've signed a lot of like uh, analytic guys yeah. that people haven't really ta- touched upon that are like next level type style coach, like not coaches, but player personnel, um, you know, general manager style guys that, you know, take things to the next level. So that will be interesting to see. Cause the Knicks are always so old school, you know, with their player development and scouting and stuff. So like to see the analytics start to come over, it'll be interesting to see like what they do with that.
0: Yeah. But like I said, I'm not counting my, ba- my banners before I hang them in the rafters. I said trophies. But, you know, what? honestly, talking winning in New York is like throwing me off that we're we're slowly looking maybe. We're doing it again. I know. <laughs> you are. I know. We need <laughs> Josh,
1: it. Zion's Stop.
2: coming to New York with KD and Kyrie. And you Stop went for us, three. Josh.
0: Stop us. You went over three. Hey, we got RJ Barrett. I'm a Nick. Yeah, huh? yeah we're, we got something. Yeah. We got the potential. There's hope. There's hope. There's always hope. There's always hope at the end of the I just hope he doesn't run
2: <laughs> RJ
1: Barrett into the ground by playing him
2: to forty two minutes a night. To quote Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, there never was much hope, just a fool's hope. Oh. Wow. Dude,
0: come wow. on.
2: Why can't why can't he let us have this?
0: He doesn't want to let us. He's just he's just hating. Yeah, he's just he's just Come being on. angry. I could have swore you are bringing this up for. I should basis.
1: have. I didn't even think about. It. I completely escaped my mind because it happened on Saturday and it was like, whoosh. It was not talked about. The only thing that I kept thinking about was R.J. Barrett being left off of uh, uh, Zach Lowe's NBA first team All-Rookies, mm-hmm. which is preposterous.
0: Yeah, that's how a, dare you? Be a writer
1: and say that R.J. Barrett doesn't even make your second team when he was the. Arguably the most consistent Nick of the season.
0: I think you got distracted by Darren Till's cup. It's completely warped. I hard.
1: just, I mean, I comple- it completely escaped. I didn't even think about Tom Thibodeau, your new New York Knicks head coach. Long time coming. Jeff Van Gundy loved the hire. Yes. I would have loved Jeff Van Gundy to be hired, but here we are. But hey, if
0: he signs on Thibodeau, I'm there. Reggie Miller loved the signing so all these old guys love it so i'm gonna love it definitely hit us up on that hashtag hashtag odph to continue that conversation
1: mellow might come back
0: let's not get too carried away right now
1: i'm just saying there's rumors he wants to retire as a nick let it happen
0: <sighs> don't get my hopes up too much or maybe
1: skinny mellow Not even hoodie mellow. We're gonna get. I hope we get skinny mellow.
0: Yeah, I hope we. I hope we get motivated mellow.
1: I hope we get get out of here. I got the rebound. That's the mellow I want.
0: Ah, it's a dream. Uh, let (laughs) let, Let it happen.
2: Zach Levine! Zach Levine! You're doing it again. <laughs> that being
0: said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH podcast is that of Fair City Fire. There are friends out of, out of Austin, Texas, or wherever they're from. Yes, they are from Austin, Texas. Brian Wolf is doing so much music now, I'm just trying to track down if he's traveling around or he's just playing outside. Either way, you can find out all you need to know about Fair City Fire, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Second Suitor, and a whole bunch of other great bands on the ODPH music section found on Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Dot .com. Also, on the ODPH webpage, you can check out the ODPH directory, which has friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, Excite Wrestling, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, voter registration, and all the pod chaser lists that you need to know that are our, our friends, our colleagues our compadres involved in many, many pod groups. So shout out to hashtag six or seven podcasts. Shout out to Legion of Independent Podcasts. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to Pod Nation. And shout out to the Podlips who is doing a pod raid as we speak right now. Big things going down. And, of course, shout out to Rich Ron and hashtag Cool. Our friends over at 8122 Productions, a lot of things going on over there. A lot of streaming happened this past weekend on Twitch, so definitely continuing that. Might be something going on this weekend as well, so so we'll kind of have to wait and see what we're going to do. It's during the Ranger game, so I don't know how how effective it's going to be, but we'll see. Uh, But definitely check out what they got cooking over there, and especially check out their Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122 Productions. All of this and so much more can be found on ochoduroparlayhour.com. That's all I got for this week. So, for the one and only, Jake. Uh Thank you, and good luck. For your coach, my coach, Gosh. the coach, Coach Duffy. Gimmick infringement! Gimmick infringement! Uh, uh, good night, and g- see ya. I'm your host, Ken M. Let's go, Rangers. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.